Hey man, you hear that? Listen. Yeah, dude, that's my dad snoring. They're asleep. Cool. I'm telling you. TV after midnight? Uh huh. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, Let's go. Let's do it, yeah. Okay, let's go. Be really, really quiet. Uh-huh. The third step creaks a little bit, okay? Yeah. Uh, sorry. It's sorry. okay. It's okay. We're good. We're good. Just keep going. We made it, baby. Nice. Pop on the couch. All right, Tim. Let's do this. I think, said Harry, more quietly still, it's time to get my dad's old cloak out again. Harry had inherited just one thing from his father, a long and silvery invisibility cloak, a cloak that could hide them from the madness, a cloak of such rarity that there is only one ever fabled to be in existence. A cloak that could take them on adventures of unknown kind across great boundaries. The boundary to the girls' locker room. Harry and Ron quietly crept their way from the boys' dormitory into the hall. They knew the schedule. The girls were finishing up their Quidditch practice. If they made it in time, they would find one of the Wizarding World's greatest treasures. The girls quit its team, naked. From there, it wasn't hard. But Harry and Ron were, that is, until they got caught red-handed. Find out what happens and more at HarryPotterErotica.com. Hoppy, slobbering wet thickums in your mouth. So nice. It's so nice. And fills you up with big chunkies. Yum. Hey, uh. Would let me watch this kind of stuff. It seems kind of hardcore. <sighs> yeah, I guess you're right. Why don't we watch the surfing channel? Uh, yeah, it's kind of cool this time. Uh, of okay, yeah. Welcome to Surf on the Turf live from Galveston, Texas, with Nico Ultimate Fraud and Leo Dingaroo. 
Right, oh, right, oh, I am welcome to the first ever Surf on the Turf live from Galveston, Texas. The cars are lined up in the parking lot, some people call a beach, and onlookers await. And I am joined here by my partner, Nico, Ultimate Froth. Nico, oh, yeah, man, is it a day or is it a day? I paddle out earlier to see what our guy's gonna be dealing with. I was disappointed, man. I thought there was only little white thimballs, right. dude, and I was just sad but then turned around found one of the best waves of my life dude anticipating some serious froth serious froth indeed over the years due to regular oil spills and offshore drilling efforts the froth here is unlike any in the world glowing green and leaving a slick film on swimmers and surfers alike <laughs> yeah man no need to wax your poor after today's sesh it's gonna be slick and there goes our first contestant of the day. Hailing from the Big Island, we have Maliki Hickey Hokey. He has just passed through the first layer of debris, stroking easily through the cans of bush light and dead octopi. Oh, yeah, man. When I was swimming out here earlier, dude, I got, like, lots of cuts. And, like, honestly, like, man, I bled a lot. And I don't really feel very good. I feel kind of right. sick right now. Well, oh. Nico, it should be known you swam in the Gulf of Mexico, this is your risk. However, now that I look, you do seem quite green. Nico, are you okay? Nico. Can we get medical over here? Oh, dude, I feel so sick. I can't see anymore, dude. What? Oh, I see a real trippy shit, Nico, Nico, it's gonna be alright. Get medical. Medical. Can we get medical over here? Cut to commercial. Cut to commercial. Hey guys, welcome to the show. We're about to get this one started, but first, a live reenactment from when I used to get picked up from school by my grandpa. Get in the car! I just lost all my money playing dominoes, so no McDonald's for you! What time's Antique Roadshow on? Grandpa needs you to read the captions for him. His reading glasses don't do the trick anymore. <laughs> Alright guys, this is the official intro to the podcast. I um, I appreciate all of you. Thank you for being here. Today, I am extremely excited to introduce comedian Simply Courtney. Courtney has been in the comedy game for 10 years now. And in those 10 years, he has been making great progress. He has accrued wisdom and knowledge about comedy that you can only gain from experience. And he is really a comedy purist at heart. He's a really fun guy to talk to, super genuine, um, and you can find him on Instagram at I am simply Courtney, uh, simply spelt with a Y. I'm going to do a little extra plugging for him here too. If you're in Austin, January 25th, he is producing a show at Axis, and on January 31st, he is hosting the world's tallest comedy show. I think every comic booked on it is over 6'4", so ladies... Get in them seats. All right, without any further ado, my friend, Simply Courtney. Simply Courtney, thank you for coming over, buddy.
but hey thank you for having me dude this is dope this is cool this is part of your 37 dude 37 and 37 woo explain this is to people show number two so here's what we do we oh shit we're number two this is show number two woo yes. you're getting off I, I thought i was like so how's it been so far no okay we did cool. the last the first one was last night and um so let's see so idea came about i think turning 34 yep so 34 years so that was what three years ago mm-hmm. wow wow times flew and so i came up with this goofy idea i wanted to do 34 shows in 34 days before my 34th birthday and so i started my birthday's february 8th same thing every year but the when i start changes because you add more time to it yeah and so i was like man i wonder if i could do that and i, I i'm not the most confident person mm. and so i was like do i really know 34 show producers that would put me on their show just under the guise of it's my birthday and I'm trying to do this challenge. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, no, but let's find out. Yeah. I don't think I do, but let's try it. Why not? And so I just reached out to a bunch of people and like I started probably back in probably October, November or something like that. Mm-hmm. So whatever it was, I started in that time period and I just started slowly reaching out and like just kind of testing the waters to see yeah. what people were there. And there was a lot of people that were like, yeah. And there were some people that didn't get back and there were some times where people were like, maybe, and I never heard from them again. And there are other people that their show ended up being a day that wasn't in that time period because I pick a specific time period. Yeah. And in that time period, I'm supposed to do as many shows as I am turning that year. Yeah. So, so, 30, so you have, yeah. you're turning 34. You have to do 34, 34 shows. shows in 34 days. Bingo. And wow. then 35, and then 36, and then 37. I think 35, if I remember correctly. Yeah, 35 was the one where it was the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so that one, there were like a lot of online stuff and all yeah. that, but I couldn't find 35 dude, online I'd shows. Dude, I'd be like 35 podcasts. Like, I, I should have, dude. I that'd know. That'd be hard, though. That'd be really hard to find. I'm doing 35 shows. I think I could That's do it. crazy. Man. But I ended up um, just doing videos for the 35 one. So mm-hmm. 35, I just made 35 videos okay. of different kinds. Some of me dancing, some of me like doing parody sketches, whatever. But then 36 last year came back. And I, I can't believe it's already been a year. And I did that. And, you know, it was like there was Zoom shows. There were, uh, I don't think I did any podcasts last year, but it was all improv, Zoom, mm-hmm. stand-up, storytelling, variety, music, whatever. And so I did that. And I told myself for this year, I was like, I want to do it again, but I want to produce. Now, believe it or not, I wanted to produce all the shows. Yeah. I already sounded kind of crazy. That's a lot. That's really crazy. I wanted to produce every single show during 37. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, that's like not impossible because the way my brain works is I originally think that something is crazy and outlandish and impossible. Mm-hmm. But then about an hour later or so, my brain's like, hey, uh, remember the idea you're thinking about that you thought was crazy and outlandish and impossible? If we did it, this is how it would go. And then yeah. I just start like kind of cobbling together little ideas and stuff. So in another year, who knows? I may actually try to just produce all of the shows. Well, how many shows do you produce now? Well, so wait, wait, are you talking for the 37 or are you talking about just in general? Just in general. Uh, let's see. Let's see. All right. So let's do this. All right. So Simply High, and we'll definitely get to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, golf Course, Tiniest Bar, um, Axis, which is starting on the 25th, by the way. Solid plug, January 25th. We have our first show, Simply Aha Presents um, mm. Mint Comedy. Uh, it's going to be over at Axis, right off of, yep, right over <laughs> off of Guadalupe, or Guadalupe, depending on how you pronounce it. Either way, Guadalupe. For, is it Guadalupe? To me, it is. I just say Guad, so you know what I'm saying? People Guad. say that if you're really from Austin, you say the drag, but you know, who, who, <laughs> how many of us exist? But that show is, uh, that'll be Wednesday. Every Wednesday, weekly, 8 o'clock. Over at Axis, it's uh, the former, I think, uh, 
Thrive, Craft, whatever it was. Uh, not the one on campus. It's Axis. This is the one actually off of uh, Guadalupe. Guad. Guad. The drag. Guadalupe. Whatever. So, uh, but anyway, so I have, let's see, Tiniest. So I think it's, we're saying produce. I, yeah. Or I have like five. Help, help run. Even mm, five and a half. <laughs> Damn, so, so, so that's already like yeah. that's kind of a lot. Man. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah. It's stupid. It's not. It, it, we talked about it earlier. I had no intentions of doing this. I wanted to just perform only. Yeah. I wanted to just perform. I didn't want to be one of those people that are like they're like, oh, the only reason he's on that show is because he booked them on his show. And I'm like, I didn't want to do that. And I know that that's yeah. not the case for me. But um, that was definitely a fear of mine. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh man, you're not good at comedy. What do you do? You become a gatekeeper. You make a room, and then you only let certain people in, and you try to trade rooms. Yeah, yeah but that's I don't like trade spots. That's you know? not true for everybody, and it is a great opportunity to be getting stage time. How do you like? It's hard to get stage time sometimes, but beyond mm-hmm. a couple minutes, like create your own show. And, agreed, agreed. I've know? heard of people say that you know if you can't get something, mm-hmm. create it. And so I totally agree. And if you can do that successfully and not screw people out of opportunities mm-hmm. and all that stuff. I think go for it. Yeah. Uh, for me, my motivation was not just for me, it was for others. Yeah. And uh, like the newest one that I'm doing, I have almost no plans on ever performing on that show. Oh, cool. Yeah. Shout out to my homeboy, Hunter Carney. He's helping me with that. Let's go. Uh, yeah. He's going to be the one hosting. Uh, normally, I'm the one that hosts. And I know, like, so when are you going to perform? I was like, I have no plans on performing. I just want to produce. Cool. Like, for that show, I want to have myself as. As background as possible, one, because it starts during my um, run of shows, which this year we're doing 37 and 37. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be times where I'm not going to be available. And I've always been taught the biggest hallmark of if something is successful or not is if it can run without you. Mm. A good supervisor does not always have to be present. Yeah. A good inventor doesn't have to be present for his invention to work. Sure. You know, all these things that, you know, we take uh, almost like a, we look at like uh, normal stuff. Somebody made it in order for somebody else to be able to actually use it and benefit from mm. it. And so if I'm the only person benefiting from what I'm doing, and this goes not even just for comedy, but in life, am I really helping or am I just, you know, kind of in the way or am I just kind of helping myself? And so I want to help. Yeah, others. you're like flailing a lot around in the I think so. atmosphere. I'm successful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or, by whose measure, you know? Well, I, I think, and that's what I was, um, something that I've thought about you is interesting is that you seem, um, you seem selfless in your pursuit of creating an atmosphere for comedy. Like you seem like a, like a real comedy purist and like you seem like, you're interested and i could be wrong i don't know that you're interested in um nurturing comedy and that's kind of like that sounds like evidence of what you're doing there you're producing a show and you're not even going to be on it that's that's the whole point yeah that, that that is the point the point is to do um and i can't just say that i thought of that on my own i had yeah. two uh peers two not even peers i call them big brothers in this they're only a little bit older than me but they had did comedy way longer before yeah. I even, you know, really got into it. Uh, my homies, um, Jacob James Garcia, I always shout them out on every podcast yep, yep. I do. Uh, Aaron Cheatham, both of these two dudes, they, um, they're both around. Uh, Jacob's more in the Valley, but he's here fairly often. Aaron Cheatham, he's here. Mm-hmm. And they had a podcast called the Black and Tan Podcast. Cool, and cool. 
they let me come on there and I'd just be like a guest and I just kind of like do some little gags, talk a little shit, whatever. I yeah. can cast on there and yeah, for sure. Okay, cool, cool. I this podcast sure. has no rules. I have to make sure, man. I, I, yes. That's my rule. I'm supposed to ask that off air, but yes. I asked it on air. Everybody, I don't so give a fuck. Broke my rule, but anyway, so like they let me kind of get a peek at their process, and mm-hmm. so they started putting together a show, right? And I'll never forget they brought me on the host. Yeah, and I it was a comedy show at a gun store, by the way. It's called Guns and Giggles. Cool, and so that's fun. And that thing evidently still exists. I think Michael Cargill is like still doing. Is that in Austin? That's in Austin. It's like the most Texan thing ever. Yeah, look Hell it up. Yeah, I don't know when it is. I can't plug it because I don't know when it is, but it yeah. does happen every now and then. But we used to do a, a show there, the show there, or that show, whatever you want to call it. And um, they were the producers. Yeah, they were the ones that advertised. They put it together. They booked the talent. Eventually, later on in the years, they let me book a few shows to mm-hmm. a varying degree of success, you yeah. know. But uh, I remember they never performed. And I thought it was the strangest thing ever because both of them are comics. Yeah. Both of them are trying to grow and all this stuff, just like I am. But they never performed. They didn't host. They didn't do anything. I think Aaron would bring me up. He'd, mm-hmm. like, say something a little bit into the mic, but he wouldn't ever go and actually do an actual set. And I remember him saying, like, you know, well, if you're doing something, you don't have to be the one that's always the focal point. Yeah. People already know it's you because you're the one that produced it. Yeah. Well, why? Do you, and I see guys sometimes that every show they do, they're like the headliner of. And I was like, that's crazy. But uh, I, I, I understand it because as a, as a comic, you become yeah. your own brand. You become your own business. And you can control yourself before you can control somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so I get it. But at the same time, I'm like, hmm. Maybe I don't always have to be the focal point. Let me be the one. If they see my face and that gets them in the door, but then these other comics that I book are actually funny and keep them there, mm-hmm. I won. That's a yeah. success. I shouldn't have to go and perform in order to save the, do- uh, the the day. And so my point with this new show is it's not for me. Mm-hmm. I'm giving somebody else an opportunity to host. They're going to grow as a host. Hunter's going to grow as a comic and as a host mm-hmm. almost overnight. Because he's doing this thing weekly. Yeah. Um, also, it's going to give other comics a chance to work. My Tiniest Bar mic slash showcase that happens on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. The reason why that thing was ran the way it was is my job was to give opportunity to people that normally didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And so what I would do is I'd find the comics that I'd seen coming to the open mics multiple times or at other open mics as well. And I'd say, hey, man, in a month, two months, three months, whatever. On this date, I want you to come and do 15 minutes. I'm going to yeah. pay you to do 15 minutes of comedy. And a lot of people, this is their first time getting paid. Yeah, This is their first time doing more than 10 minutes or more than five minutes. And that's opportunity. And so if I can give opportunity the same way that people gave me opportunity, mm-hmm. I think I'm doing all right. Well, that's that pay it forward mentality. Absolutely. That's and just accruing good karma. It's paying it forward. It's paying it back. It's yeah, and it's just good it. for it because yeah. like – it, you know, there's, and I think open micers, especially um, young comedians, even showcase level, like you get this uh, feeling that it's saturated. There's so many people like, mm-hmm. and there's this uh, feeling of like, you need to like elbows out, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, carve your way through and giving other people opportunities is a bad thing. But I think the more people that are like learning how to do it at like a higher level, just the better the world is, the better the world of comedy is. Oh, yeah. Like, look at music. Like, yep. do we just want there to be, you know, the only great bands are, you know, Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin, right. and there's no room for any other great bands. Right. Uh, or do we want, you know, everybody having the opportunity to learn how to play instruments and then create bands. the next Pink Floyd or whatever it is? You want new bands, you want new comics, you want new yeah. everything. Because at some point, 
I mean, it's cool to be able to listen to the same thing over and over, mm-hmm. but you ever just look at somebody's stuff and go, I wonder what they're up to now. What's yeah. the latest thing they've done? And you find out they died. Oh, shit. Or they broke up. Yeah. Or for one reason or another, they just haven't put out enough. They only put one album. Or out. there's a band that you love, but they only stayed together for three albums. Then that's like, what could that have been? Yeah. yeah. And so, and a lot of times in that one, you're either like, "Damn, that sucks," or you go, "I wonder who else sounds kind of like this." Mm-hmm. You know, and if you find out one of the members is now on another band, yeah, you might go check that band now and listen to it. And if it sounds good or it kind of gives you the same vibe that you had with the other band. Mm-hmm. You just got turned onto a new band. Yeah, and and one of my favorite things in the world is discovering a new musician. I love discovering everything. Yeah, food. All right. Places, shows, music. Um, uh, 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 you name it. Like anything new to me, that's my favorite thing. When something just like clicks that. Yeah. 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 It's just like wow, I didn't even notice it existed. I always use the metaphor of um, of Grand Theft Auto. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't played games in AIDS. I mean, I play with my son, but. I don't know anything about that. But yeah. there's times where, like, when you're first playing the game, it's a limited area that you can go to geographically. Mm-hmm. Then as you do more missions and complete more tasks, the map slowly starts to open up. Yeah. And so I feel like that with the discovery of new things, music, space, spaces. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. not space. I haven't been out in outer space yet. <laughs> Shout out to me, Elon Musk. Uh, shout out let's to you, go, Elon Musk. Go. He's right here. He's in Mars. Town. Hey, I mean, we're in Austin. We, might we be. are. But no, um, the discovery of new stuff. Mm-hmm. The discovery of new stuff is exactly yeah. where I'm at. Like, not all the time, mm-hmm. but definitely when it happens organically, that's so fucking cool. Oh, it's the best feeling. Yeah. That's yeah. that's funny. It's um, like, that's how, that's like, you, you like hobbies, man. I like doing stuff like music, mm-hmm. um, like sports. I'm about to get into, uh, oh shit, I don't want to say on the podcast. I got to keep it a secret. Okay, okay. Um, do your thing, do your thing. Keep um, your secrets. I like that. But, uh, yeah, just a discovery. And then, I mean, comedy is like becoming something like that for Mm -hmm. me. I had a moment, um, a while ago, um, a couple weeks ago where I was on stage and I was talking to people and I felt like this, and I haven't felt it since, which sucks, but it it was this like connection to where like, I just like knew like I could do something and it would work like this weird like i felt this like thing of like oh i can move them right now it Mm -hmm. was bizarre and it only happened for about two minutes but i felt it and it was cool as fuck good man that that's i used to have a friend that uh another comic brother um i used to tell i used to tell him come off stage sometimes doing these showcases and shows and stuff and i'd be like hey i heard him tonight Mm mm-hmm and me and him would always, we'd talk like we get really, really deep into comedy rabbit holes and stuff, yeah. but a lot of like self-reflection stuff, not like other comedies for this comic, that, none of that. It was just us. Yeah. And I remember I would, I would, I have these moments on stage where I would feel like, like I'd be in the midst of, you know, the bits going well, mm. everything's working, set up, punch, bam, landing everything, crowd laughing, applause break, whatever. And I remember I'd be in flow. I'd mm. be in my, my rhythm. I'd be in my moment. I'd be in the zone. And as I was talking, it didn't even sound like it didn't sound like the comic that I was at that moment. It sounded mm-hmm. like what I was going to become. Oh, cool. And so I would come off stage and I'd immediately find Derek and I go, "Yo, I heard him tonight." Wow. And after a while, like the first time, he's like, "What?" I said, "I heard what I really, what I want to sound like, yeah. and what I hope to sound like." Bro, I just got chills. You feel me? Yeah. Like, and, and it's a yeah. thing that is it's so hard to understand. Yeah. Until you're in it. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're a weightlifter, you're a NASCAR driver, if you're a painter, 
But we all, I think, all have an idea of what we want to become. Mm-hmm. And we all, for the most part, have an idea of where we're at, even mm-hmm. though some of us may deny it, which, you know, to each his own. But I knew that I heard the closest to, like, what I hope to become, mm-hmm. also with what I've always wanted to do. There was jokes that I was like, I want to tell that type of joke, mm-hmm. but I'm not that kind of comic yet. Mm-hmm. I want to tell that kind of joke. I want to talk about this story, but I don't know how to make that funny for an yeah. audience yet. Well, that's, I'll yeah. just like end up ranting. Yeah. Like, well, and it's just it. like, this is not funny, it, you know? But you're working it out, though. I guess, And the yeah. thing is, you're working it out as much as some other comics, to other, to other comics chagrin. They may not mm-hmm. like to see that, yeah. but this five minutes, the four minutes, the three minutes set that you have, mm-hmm. that's your time to work out what you hope to become. Interesting. You do want to get booked from it eventually. You do want yeah. people to think you're good, think you're clever and all that. But ultimately, above everything else, it's your time to work out becoming who you want to become, mm-hmm. maintaining whatever it is you think you are. But I yeah. think personally, it's you working to get towards something. I'm not saying that every time you do open mic, you got to do new set. I'm no. not saying that. Yeah. It have to be all new jokes. But you should be working that thing as if you're in a, I call it a gym all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a gym, both G-Y-M and G-E-M. You're working out, mm-hmm. you know? When, when you do, um, I'm about to drop a, a goofy metaphor. I do almost it. say every, every, every um, podcast when we're talking about this. When you see the process to get presses, gems, and minerals, mm-hmm. it's a dirty process. Most of them, if not all of them, there's things like dynamite, there's corrosive material, there's acid, there's uh, jackhammers, there's dirt, grime, all the stuff for us to get those pretty little nuggets of mm-hmm. gold, of uh, uh, not platinum, but um, diamonds and all these other little gems that we get. Mm-hmm. You have to go through it. Yeah. To get a pearl, you know what you have to do? You have to rip off the head or open up the mouth of a damn oyster. Yeah. Do you think that oyster wants you to come in there? No, if they could talk, he'd probably be like, ouch, or die. Or he's like, what happened to my jaw? He'd probably be like, ouch. Ouch, (laughs) I needed that, you know? But to get that pretty stuff, there's some ugly that has to come out of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that with comedy, part of the ugly is the fact that you have to go up there. You ready for it, ladies and gentlemen? You ready for it? Mm -hmm. And suck. (gasps) What? You have to go suck. You're not going to be the greatest when you first come out. There's some people that they do have a good set their first time out. Mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, the numbers show you have to work at this for a while. And it's not saying you have to work at it forever. Mm. There's some people that do it in two years and they pop and they go all up to the tops. There's some people that do it for 20 years, 25, 30, whatever it is, and they finally pop. Or they never pop and they're just happy with just doing whatever. Mm-hmm. But my whole thing is anything worth doing is worth doing badly and figuring it out while it's not fun. Well, while that's, it's not cute. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's, that's it. Because... If you're, especially as like in a, you know, your mid twenties, mm-hmm. any new thing that you want to start doing, you have to be comfortable with the, with the, the fact that unless like you're, you know, there's your prodigy, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're going to suck at it. Like mm-hmm. you can't, I picked up drums about three years ago, mm-hmm. two and a half, three years ago. Okay. And like, I was terrible, but mm-hmm. I could play a basic beat and that was it. But when it came to fills and anything else more complex, I sucked. But I was fine with that. I knew that I was going to suck. And if I keep doing this over and over and over and over again, I'll get better. And I watched myself get better. And that is like just all the evidence that I need for comedy to know like, okay, if I keep doing it, I'm going to get better. It's just a metaphor for life. It's the law. Yeah, It's a metaphor for life, dude. Anything you do, 
if you just continually do it, you mm -hmm. have to get better. Just, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know how to say it any more simpler than that. Yeah. Is that if you do it long enough, you're going to get better at it. Are you going to be the greatest at it? No, but are you going to be better tomorrow than you were today? If you mm -hmm. work today, uh, this afternoon, tonight, and then early morning, and then by tomorrow day, you'll mm -hmm. be better. Yeah. Statistically speaking, you're going to get better if you keep working at yep. it. Yep. And then if you yeah. reach a point of stagnation, that's where you have to like reassess things and yep. you have to like take a different approach, which, uh, yeah. Yeah. Challenge. Yeah. Challenge. Find a challenge. Move. Go somewhere else. Literally mm -hmm. pick up and move. Travel. Yep. Stop and do something else. Live. Figure out, oh, shit, I'm a comic. I've been doing storytelling shows. Let me try some one-liners. Yeah. Oh, I've been doing one-liners. Let me try. Let me let me see if I can do dad jokes. Oh yeah, I've been doing a lot of dirty and stuff. Let me see if I can do something clean. Yeah. Oh man, all I've been doing is clean. Let me see if I can if I can tell a sex joke. I think I could tell a sex joke. Man, I've been telling a number of sex jokes. Hmm. <laughs> I got kids. Maybe I could talk about my kids, but not be like you know talking about how we made them. You know, yeah. it's little things yeah. like trying to figure out yourself because. I think in comedy, you're you're only as good as you're willing to grow. Mm -hmm. That's my biggest thing. And I know mm -hmm. that some people are really great at who they are currently, and that's fine. But I always think that you're only as good as you're willing to grow. Like, wow, I like that. Yeah, you look at a balloon, right? And sometimes balloons, very rarely do balloons get blown up to capacity. Mm -hmm. This is a deep rabbit hole thought for some reason, but it's yeah, happening. Go for it. Balloons don't get often blown up to full capacity. You know what they do? They get blown up to where we look and go. Yeah, that's a balloon. Mm -hmm. That's the shape of a balloon. Mm -hmm. Your daughter asks for a balloon. You're going to blow it up until it's like, whoop, you know, there you go, take it. She's yeah. cool with it. You look at it, it's cool. At some point, it wears now, whatever. But what happens when you blow that thing up a little bit bigger than where you feel comfortable with? Well, you're looking at it now. You're like, hmm, that thing could bust at any point. Yeah. I think that's how our oh, lives work. Interesting. Sometimes we have to get blown up to capacity before we bust or we have to be close to busting. We have to literally take ourselves and stretch ourselves so far mm. past comfort mm -hmm. to where everybody's looking. Now everybody's paying attention. They're like, oh, that balloon could bust at any moment. It looks scary, but we're watching. Yeah. Comedy's the same way. We sometimes take these moments where we go on stage and we just talk about the same old dribble, same yeah. comfortable things. Mm -hmm. People ain't really watching. They're like, oh, yeah, that's a balloon. We know it's a balloon. Yeah. But the person that goes up there and they stretch themselves mm -hmm. so far past normalcy those are the ones we look and that's when you go yeah and damn. that's a, that's the casey rocket right there. boy he was in my head are yeah. we i swear to god well there's a new one i don't know talk about it uh, there's what a, is there's her name a it's a year. girl and, and uh ryer yep. uh cameraman yep cameraman. see you you already knew it's an, there's yes. a new casey you rocket see how quickly stuff. you see how bro quick, before casey rocket i got one this is somebody I used to look up martin urbano mm -hmm. before them uh daniel rug webb mm -hmm. um I'm trying to think of all these people that I thought were just wonderfully brilliant comedians here in Austin. Yeah. There's a few I'm, I'm going to miss and I'm not going to do my best to try to name all of them. But yeah. either way, you look at that balloon, you're mm -hmm. like, is it even a balloon anymore? Yeah. It's like, what is that? What is that? Well, that's some shit. Yeah. That's just like, that's, that's like what, like they have found what makes them funny. Mm -hmm. And they're just, they're just, they are, they become it. Well, they're and, comfortable being stretched yeah. so far out there yeah. that the line between genius mm -hmm. and a freaking lunatic yeah. is thin. <laughs> I don't know if it, there even is a line. There's really not because it's, it's more of a, I don't know, what do you call it? The, the waves? 
you know, the wavery, that's the line. Sine waves or whatever? That's the line. Yeah. It's not a straight line. Oh, yeah, it like curves and bends. Yeah, and sometimes some, it's like, It's yeah. crazy. Sometimes it's genius. Yeah. Because if you do a lot of the stuff that, you know, what, what famous people do, and we're going to talk about comics, we're talking about comics. Yeah. What a lot of successful comics do, a lot of things that they're doing, you're looking at that and you're going, any other context, mm-hmm. that person gets committed. Yeah. That's the, yeah. The cops might show up. Mm-hmm. The thing this person just said, thank God he laughed at the end of it because mm-hmm. we thought he was really crazy. Well, you know? it, and it's almost like an act of uh, like a m- magic where they yes. get you to think the way they're thinking. Yep. And on paper, what they're saying, you're like, eh, I don't know. But like because the way they say it and mold you before they say it, mm-hmm. you're totally on board. You're like, ha ha, yeah, that yeah, is, yeah. Ah, wow, yeah. And it's the that's the most beautiful thing is when you mm-hmm. watch somebody being who they are. Yeah. They're unabashedly who they are mm. and you can't even be mad at that it almost makes you go damn maybe i should be more of myself that's instead what, of playing it safe you know? that's my goal is yeah. like i want that so like i want what what has made me funny in conversations with my friends or go. my family or my girlfriend like i want to make i want to find a way to cultivate that thing yeah. and bring it out in me nightly um that's the thing it's hard to do though it's just like because it's just like you get wrapped up like i i'll say things like my school bus joke which is like i think like i can take it to the place where i want to but the Mm -hmm. joke itself is just like i'm like eh, it's not inspiring in any type of way like it's not like you know it's just an silly observation play with it tweak Mm -hmm. it twist it yeah start with it end with it do a joke that has nothing to do with that joke. Avoid it. Take anything yeah. that you can. I used to have a little trick, and I do it every now and then. Uh, I think I just did it like a few weeks ago, by the way. I took a joke one day mm-hmm. that, and this is a while back. I've been doing this 10 years, and I don't know if somebody wrote this somewhere. I'm pretty sure somebody wrote it somewhere, and I picked it up somewhere. But it was one of those things where it said that if you have a joke that you always have to close with, right, mm-hmm. to challenge yourself, Open with that yeah, joke. Yeah, I've heard that. Open with that joke, and when you think that's the highest that it can get, now you have to follow up that highest joke. Yeah. That makes you a better writer. That makes you a better comic. That makes you perform better. Because if you just did your best joke, now what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Do your second best joke, mm. but perform that second best joke like it's your best joke. So that means by the time you get to your closer, if you're raising the stakes each time, you may take a joke that's just your simple throwaway opener and perform that damn joke like you're in front of, I don't know, whoever's the most important person to you at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And I did that with a opener. I did a simple opener. And I like it because I know every single solitary beat to it. I know how to talk it. I know where to stop. I know where my breaths are. Yeah. I know my physical mannerisms as I'm telling the joke. I know how long it takes me to get from point A to Z. You know? Because mm-hmm. I'm very narrative. I'm I'm... I'm I, I'm not uh, economy of words by any means, if I've, as I've already demonstrated with this podcast. Yeah. Um, but for that joke, I am. Mm. For that joke, I'm very deliberate. I'm very specific. It's, it's, it's not one-liners, but it's pretty damn close. It's a very long setup, but then the payoffs are just joke, 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 tag, tag, tag. Mm. And so I closed with that joke. And I remember I closed with it, and it was one of the weirdest things ever because I remember I wrote my, I wrote my sets out probably like the night before. I performed. And I said, why are we closing with that? I said, because you need to challenge yourself. Yeah. You need to do something a little different. You've gotten kind of stagnant, you know? Uh-huh. And so I closed with it. And I remember the close with it energy that I put into that joke. Yeah. It did exactly what my closer always does. 
Mm. And I remember telling myself, I was like, well, I'll be damned. Why don't I close this more often? Yeah. You know? Wow. And it's, it's just it's little things. But it's challenging yourself, not being scared of the moment mm-hmm. and being like, hey, I got me. Yeah. I'm funny. You, you made a very good comment earlier. You're funny with your friends. Mm-hmm. When you're talking to your family, your friends, your colleagues, whatever, you're funny. That person mm-hmm. is who inspired this person to get on stage. Mm. What happens to a lot of us is we're funny in our conversations. We're funny in our everyday life. But then we get on stage and we try to become a comic. And it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Be that yeah. funny person off stage, mm-hmm. on stage. Now, obviously, there are certain rules. You know, you got to do this. You got to do that. Yeah. You know, every, you know, 10 seconds. I, I never know what the number is anymore. So every 10 seconds needs to be, you need to be getting somewhere and a laugh needs to be on the way. Something like yeah. that. I think it's probably less than that at some point. Whoever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, but I feel like that's individual. It too. is. It really you know, is. Because everybody people. sits different. Yeah. But. Yeah. You want to be that person that when you come off stage, and this is my opinion, take it or leave it, and it's for listeners too, that when you come off, you're like, I performed. Yeah. I performed. Regardless if you bombed, regardless if you did great, regardless if they lived and they were in in the pocket with you, Mm -hmm. you had their undivided attention. When you come off, you want to be like, oh, I performed. I did. I did. Five minutes. I performed. Ten minutes. I performed. An hour and five minutes, I performed. Yeah. And that's where I'm at currently. I'm making sure that when I come off, especially with these 37 and 37, I want to make sure that I perform. And every year when I do these things, there are other goals that are in there, but usually the top goal is to make sure that I do not get complacent, Mm -hmm. that it's not a quantity over quality, that I go and I perform. I prepare. Yep. And I perform. So what's your preparation process look like? Excuse me. I didn't mean to cough at that. No, you're fine. I cough right at Jesus. I'm so That's fine. Sorry. We put that there for a reason. That's horrible. <laughs> I was like, cough was, oh, God. I was like, that, that'd be a funny place to put a crucifix, huh? Right you where everybody Jesus comes right in here to, and sits. You got Jesus yeah. right next to Santa Claus. I, I don't know, know that's what Santa that means. Claus. That's, it, I mean, I feel like Santa Claus kind of is almost like a Jesus type character. One gives and the other saves. I'll let you figure yeah, out which one. Hey, yo. All right. So, <laughs> so um, let's see. Um, my typical preparation, it changes depending on the show. Obviously, if it's. Uh, this is gonna this is gonna suck, uh, people. If you're figuring this comedy stuff out, do not listen to this part. If it's a show that like, if I have to do less than probably ten minutes or so, yeah, I'm not like I'm not freaking out too much. Yeah, just well, because, because you've been doing it for ten. I've years. done it for ten years, yeah, and so I mean, like I tell people sometimes it takes me ten minutes to say my name. Yeah, and so <laughs> I'm not freaked out. I tr- I take everything serious. Yeah. But when it's a show that, let's say, it's an hour show. Yeah. Like, I'm doing an hour. Yeah. I mean, it shows longer than an hour, but my job is to do an hour. I'm the closer. I'm the headliner. It's still fun to say. Hell yeah. Oh, my God. I'm the headliner. Well, But when I'm, the, when I'm that person, yeah. the preparation for that show is a little different than if I'm just doing 10 minutes, especially. And this mm-hmm. is the part that's more the time gets into issue. Yeah. It's the order in which I'm performing. Oh, yeah. If I'm the bookend, if I'm the last person, if I'm the headliner, if I'm the final person to decide on if the audience enjoyed the show or not, my energy is different. Mm. And this is why. Because I feel like, you know, as like a show, your last joke is supposed to be, you know, your best joke or the joke that gets the audience to remember you or enjoy you. Or they always say that they should have already enjoyed you before that. If you you did your job, not saying you could bomb your last joke, but if you did your job, it doesn't matter necessarily 
by the time you get to your closing bit, it shouldn't be hanging in the balance. It's already been a done deal that they enjoyed the show. They enjoyed mm-hmm. the performer. Well, me as a performer, I still sometimes suffer from the, what if everybody else didn't do good and now I have to come back and save the show? And it's not saying that I hope that because whenever I perform, I always support and I hope, yeah. I pray, I dance, I support the comics before me performing. Do I go and watch everybody? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. I have ADD. I have anxiety. I have all these different things yeah. going on. And I'm just like, I can't sit and watch you and then still have the same energy to go on stage and entertain everybody See, else. And that's something yeah. that I feel not to get off. No, you're good. I want to keep you on your oh, track because what you're saying is interesting. Yes, sir. Um, and I want to know your process. Oh, yeah. But yeah, like, coming, that is something that at open mics, say I'm 15, mm-hmm. like sitting there and sitting through 15 before I go, it like, I feel like it does like do something to my own energy. It's tough. Yeah. It's, it's tough with the, with the open mic situation. It's so weird because you need to support the comics, but at the mm-hmm. same time you do need to like know what the hell you're going to talk about when you get on stage. Yeah. And the last thing you want to do is go on stage and be stammering going, uh, uh, I don't remember what I want to talk about. Yeah. So I get that. I, I totally get and it. And it's like, I feel like I absorb, especially when an yeah. open mic, see like you're, yeah. you're working, working a show most likely people are like they got good decent shit and they can keep a crowd decently engaged right with an open mic like sometimes you go up if somebody goes up and they're just throwing shit at you like their energy is off and you're sitting there absorbing it all so like now i've absorbed you know 15 of these 15 of those i gotta go be me i don't even know who i am anymore. i don't even know what i want to talk about (laughs) anymore yeah that's true and open mics is it's such a different monster. Yeah. Um, with the showcase performance. Yeah. So this is the preparation, right? Yeah. And I totally understand it, by the way. Yeah. The, uh, well, I know you do. I mean, you did it for a long time. But the hope, but the hope is for me and me and Gage, Gage shout out to Gage Moreau. We talked yeah. a little bit. Uh, he, we've talked about like, you know, people coming up and listening and actually mm-hmm. watching at open mics. Yeah. That if you see somebody performing, instead of going to the back and, you know, talking and doing all the kind of, sit down and watch. I understand people having to get into their space before they perform. Yeah. But I also feel like after you've performed, take a second. Yeah. Take a few minutes. Take a few moments. Take a few comics. Whatever. Sit down and enjoy the show. Yeah. And support. Or if you can, this is, this is not just aimed at you. It's aimed at a lot of people. And I hope people mm-hmm. see this. Hear this. Whatever. If you're 15, mm-hmm. you're 15. So let's say 16. You're 16th up. You got 15 comics before you. In my opinion, you should be able to take, if each comic's doing four minutes, mm-hmm. three comics. What's that, 12? That's 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't take you more, in my opinion, than 15 minutes to be able to get yourself ready to go for an open mic. Now, that means either yeah. five, four or five comics before you go up, you mm-hmm. get up and excuse yourself and go walk around and pace. Yeah. Or when you, after you sign your list, you give yourself 15 minutes to look at your set and figure your jokes out before mm-hmm. you go up on, you know, go sit down and watch. But I still feel like, and I'm not telling people they have to do this. If this mm-hmm. is no thing saying, you come to Chinese bar, you need to sit down and we're going to lock the doors. And if not, yeah. you're not going to go up. I'm not doing that. Yeah. But I do like it when comics respect each other enough yeah. to sit down and watch. So it's I support. Yeah. Yeah. So I say 15 minutes before mm-hmm. you go, uh, like uh, before the mic starts or, or whatever, yeah. figure it out. I just think it's nice for people to watch because yeah. the stick is lonely. And sometimes it's just us, dude. Sometimes mm-hmm. it ain't no audience. It's just the comics one after another after another. And I was mm-hmm. like, dude, we can be an audience for each other. We're people. Yeah. We know what funny sounds like. Mm-hmm. We know what something is that's funny. Yeah, we love comedy. Yeah, so yeah. why don't we sit down and do it? So that's why I love Gage. I love Austin. I love um, mm-hmm. uh, Kenny Buttons. I love uh, Bryant Smith. Um, um, there's quite a few of them that they will sit and they'll watch. Yeah. 
people go up either before them or after them and don't yeah. actually laugh. Um, but all right, so preparation, this is show stuff. Preparation yeah. for show stuff. Like I said, if I'm the last performer, my preparation's a little bit different than if I'm just going to be on the spot. It's not saying that I don't care. I, I care for either one. I for care sure. for all of them. Yeah. But when I'm not the last performer, honestly, I'm a little more selfish. Mm. I am. I'm. I'm more of like, hmm. What jokes do I want to tell? Yeah. What jokes do I want to do? Oh, I, because like you're worried if you're at the end, you're like, has somebody already touched this topic? Some. Some yeah. of that. I mean, I don't worry too much about the topics because I feel like whatever I bring to the table, uh-huh. it's still going to be different enough or individual enough that it doesn't matter if people have talked about it before. Mm-hmm. But that could be part of it. But mm-hmm. there's okay. more of this concept of I'm bringing the show home. Mm-hmm. If I'm the closer. Right. So my mindset is different. And I don't even know how to, I'm going to do my best to put it to words because we're on a podcast here. Yeah. Then if I'm just part of the show, like if I, and it's not saying that I'm the show and I'm the headliner, I'm just the show. But when I am the comic that is two comics up before the headliner or the mm-hmm. comic before the headliner and stuff, I'm almost like, I still want to be good at the same time, but I want to be good in a different way. Like mm-hmm. I want people to go, Yeah. The show was good, and I'm okay with them going, yeah, all the comics were good. That was cool. But when I perform and I'm the headliner, I'm the closer, mm-hmm. I want people to go, he was good. Yeah. He was amazing. Yeah. And if I don't get that, then I feel like I didn't do my job. And that's, that's my metric. If people don't come talk to me after the show's over with, mm-hmm. I feel like I didn't do my job. If somebody doesn't come up and ask me about one of the things I talked about on stage, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I did my job. That's just being honest. And I probably couldn't put that to words years ago. I can yeah. now. And so I feel I, like it makes, it makes sense what you're saying. As the headliner, you know, your job, I think, is to not just be, quote unquote, the best performer on the show. But mm-hmm. your, your job is to go up there and if the feature comes off the stage after doing 20, 25, whatever, 30 minutes, mm-hmm. and they're not sweating, and they're not, like, breathing hard, or they're not like, hey, give me a second to cool down. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm like, well, you know, you're the feature. That's yeah. cool. But if the headliner comes off the stage like that, and I'm talking about, like, 30 plus. Yeah. And they're not sweating, and they don't have to sit down, and they don't have that look to them like they just put in a freaking, you know, eight-hour shift. That's funny. I'm yeah. looking at them like, the fuck did this do? Did you yeah. did you even try? Like it's yeah. just we we go sometimes. My friends that know me, they know that sometimes the stuff goes the sex metaphors. And I'm mm-hmm. gonna do that here. If you with somebody, and after y'all are done, they're not breathing hard. Yeah. Hey, what just happened? What just happened? Yeah. That's how comedy is for me. Yeah. If I get done and I'm not sweating, my hand doesn't hurt because I've been ripping the mic or my arm doesn't have a weird feel to it because I've been, I was, I was, uh, what does it call it? Uh, I acted out. I did this crazy yeah. act out where I kicked up and all that. I haven't injured myself on stage all year and I'm proud of myself. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I made it all of 2022. It's where been I, 365 days I, since a workplace incident. Did I not hurt my hand? I think I made it all of 2022. Wow. I did because I, I had this stupid ass bit where I would jump up and do like um, a, a kip up or some stupid shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even think it's called a kip up, but it's when you jump up and you click your heels together. Yeah, like, yeah. Something like leprechaun. Like, yeah, yeah, I did that and it was like a bit and I did that and it was like the audience always got a kick out of it. Yeah. And so I would do it again. And one day I did it and I felt my knee buckle in the oh. air. So I was in the air, not that high, Fuck. but I felt my knee go, if you 
ever do that again, we're done. We're gonna uh, we're gonna divorce you. And so <laughs> I have not done that again. That's what, that's, hey, that's a that's the uh, hazard. That's, that's, that's a good warning sign. Hazard. You listen. Occupational hazard. I listen because yes. I yes. love that bit. I was like, oh, that's fun. Let me jump in. It's like if I'm in the. I, I sometimes I do squats, and uh-huh. occasionally like I'll feel just this tiny little like electric. In my in my yeah, lower did. back, yeah, and did. I'm just like hanging up. Like we're good for it's this week. It's letting you know. It's yeah, letting you know. Like, ah. yeah, yeah, yeah. With comedy, that's that's comedy for me. But yeah. I um I, got, I like how I got I got off topic talking about the injury thing. Who I was really cares? We're ADD here, right? And this 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 is a freaking fun loving conversation, right, yes. Jesus? Yes. Santa. Um, let's see. What, what was the thing? The uh, last part. The last part of the preparation. Mm. So my preparation yeah. is me about a uh, day before my show. Now, this is if I have one show, because keep in mind, I have like probably two different days where I have multiple shows in them. Mm-hmm. The job is I prepare the moment I get home. Mm. If I have time, like usually in a driveway, I'll write out my set real quick, and I try to do that before I even walk in. So you get home from that night's show? Yep. You, you I sit appreciate down and, do I appreciate I appreciate the show. I do my best to appreciate the show, yep. but then the moment I'm done... Appreciating the show I just did, yeah. I write down the next show's set, and it, it that's just like bullet points of yep. the name of each bit or that's whatever. It. Bingo, that's okay. it. It's just bullet points. I'm not out everything. Jeez I'm not us. verbatim. I'm not verbatim. Um, yeah. If I'm not sure about something or if I have a bad set, yeah. sometimes I will verbatim and I will go so crazy. I will verbatimly write out my freaking. I'll write out my jokes verbatim. Uh, who does English here? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll write my transitions out. Yeah. Because more times than not, whenever I don't have a good showing, I feel like it's on me. Yeah. I, I don't blame the crowd. I blame it on me. And I say, you weren't prepared. You weren't professional. And so the way that I bring myself back is I'll be like, all right, you're going to tell this joke. And then how you're going to get to this next joke is this transition mm-hmm. right here. And I'll write that out. So when you're, say, you're mid-set, you're doing 30 minutes, mm-hmm. um, and you have a joke that doesn't go great, it it might get a how do you uh, how do you mentally get over that hurdle and just go on to the next one and have the right energy? I might talk to the audience during mm-hmm. that part. I might yeah. even call myself out and go, "Ooh, we see how that went," you know. And yeah. I have every time I do a set, and this is obviously more than twenty minutes. Sometimes under twenty, I've kind of played around with not having a second set. Mm-hmm. Whereas I usually have it to where if I do more than twenty minutes, I bring two sets with me. Mm-hmm. And so that way, if this joke doesn't work, I can immediately jump to this joke. Mm-hmm. And then if this joke gets us back right, then I get back to this line of jokes that I want to do. I've set A, set B. Yeah. And every now and then I'll have like what I call others. These are jokes that I want to tell. I just don't have them fit in either set right now. Mm-hmm. And so usually I will move over to another bit, but I also will fuck with the audience. Yeah. There's a thing that I do, whereas... I can sense if the audience is pulling back or if yeah. they're just not open yet. And definitely as a as the headliner, I can sense this really quickly because I've yeah. had a chance to watch a little bit. And I'll start a bit. And if the audience isn't riding with the opening lines to it, mm-hmm. I'll just say, you know what, fuck this bit. Yeah. And I'll just start screwing with them. Yeah, I felt that a mm-hmm. few weeks ago. Just like, I was like, I started talking. I was like, ah, fuck this. Like, what's going to. on, guys? You have to. And yeah. then listen, though. In that part, when you do that, don't mm-hmm. do it for just for lip service, actually yeah. shut up and listen to what they say. Mm-hmm. If they're willing to talk, no, they're not willing to talk. That's so awkward. You're in a, you're in a spot. Yeah. I've been there. I've oh, been there God. where it's like, Hey, what's up? How y'all doing? Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, I had a show, uh, New Year's. I'll keep it real. I had a show New Year's Eve where there was a band yeah. next to the stage and I got threw up to do the first set. Uh-huh. It, it, it was like, okay, cool. Let's go. It's New There's Year's. a guy talking now. 
Yeah, there's a yeah. guy talking now. Ain't no music. Yeah. Let's 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 hear this motherfucker. And the lights were still on. Mm-hmm. People were still setting up, and I just couldn't get them. I yeah. just could not get them. No matter what I threw out there, yeah. there were a few chuckles here and there, isolated laughs and stuff yeah. like that. And so I remember I tried to talk to the band, which I always say. If you're doing bad, don't try to talk to the band. Yeah. If you ain't talk to the band the whole set, just don't like, start I don't now. want any part They don't of want this, no man. part of yeah. that shit. And I tried to talk to the little the, the piano person, the organ. Yeah. And he started playing that uh I think he played the song from the Hulk. The ding, 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 ding. I've never seen that old show, mm-hmm. but I know pop cultural reference. That's like yeah. I guess the sound where he's walking off into the distance. They play that sad sounding song. <laughs> Substituted for the Sarah McLaughlin arms of an angel, yeah. whatever. He played some sad shit. Yeah. And I remember <laughs> at first he was playing, but then I realized, I said, oh, he's playing sad shit. It's some bullshit. And I can't roast yeah. him. First of all. He's roasting you. He's roasting me. But first of all, I'm not even supposed to be on the show. Yeah. Second of all, if I roast him, there are still other people that have to come up after me and I potentially throw off the vibe of the damn yeah. show. Yeah. That's the other part. Of, well, that's the thing too. Yes. Because yeah. I don't want like. When I'm the headliner. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck what the vibe of the show is now. I'm going to bring it to where I want you to be at. Yeah. When I am a part of the show, meaning I'm not the headliner. Mm-hmm. Shit, I just want to perform. Mm-hmm. I want to have fun. That's the vibe. When you said that, it sounded yes. like you just want to. Ha- it's like, it's fun. It's more it's like, fun. it's more relaxed when it, you're the headliner. There's no stakes. Yeah, you're sending people home. You're saying goodnight. Yes. You're, you're like, farewell yeah. until next time. Yeah, you know? and I don't yeah. want people to come away from that going, Oh, everybody was great except that last guy. He stunk it up. Yeah. You know, sometimes I feel like when I'm not, I'm like, I'm working. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working here. You know, and, yeah. and I'm not saying that I go in, I phone it in because I don't phone it in. But I definitely have, there's a different energy that I bring. And I've noticed this about myself. Mm-hmm. And this is just through my own observations here. I bring a different energy when I am, you know, part of the show mm-hmm. versus when I'm closing the show. Mm-hmm. And I still try my best to bring the same energy. Yeah. But there's this, there's a realistic thing there to it is that if somebody talks to me, my response will be probably different if I'm the headliner versus mm-hmm. if I'm the middle person. Because if I'm the middle person, I'm like, well, what I say could potentially fuck it up, not just for me, but for the rest of the show. Yeah. Whereas if I'm the headliner, I'm like, I'm going to let off because yeah. it's just me. Have you ever had a situation where a yes. heckler owned I'm you? Oh, okay. I just said yes before. Uh, but yes. No, yeah. no, no, no. Let me not, let me not lie. Uh, heckler owned me. Let's see. Which one do we want to go with? Uh, I'm, I keep it real, man. I ain't going yeah. do that. There's some people that be like, no, no, no. I've always owned yeah. all of them. Look at it. No, whatever. Uh, I had one where a dude, what did he do? I don't think necessarily a heckler owned me all the way, mm-hmm. but it was one of those moments what I talked about earlier. I alluded to trying to talk to the crowd when it's not going good, mm-hmm. and a person said a uh, new joke. Yeah, uh, that I've heard people say that. It so happens often. a lot. It's, it's very common. But yeah. I remember I asked them. I said, you know, I used to do this goofy bit where I would beatbox different words together. Yeah, and so I'd say, hey, um, hey guys, what's up? How do you? I'm talking to a black room. It's, yeah. it's never gonna go good there. Saturday was pretty much a black room and it did the same thing. But there were the white people. The white people laughed. I made the white people laugh. The black people was like, poor brother. <laughs> <laughs> but I um, had, you knew it was bad when the DJ comes to, hey, you was good. They was hating. Oh, like, that's sad. Thank you, I think. You know, but now nah, I remember like, um, I was trying to like, I beatbox. And so what I would do is I would like get words from the audience. Yeah. And then I'd beatbox the words together, make a little fun story and all that. And it would be yeah. fun. I'm doing this when I'm not doing good. And so mm-hmm. I'm asking questions because the way that works, I have to ask the audience 
different questions. Not different questions, but like for a word. Mm-hmm. And then they respond with just a random word. Yeah. Well, I did that, man. I asked these people. They won't give me nothing. They're like, we don't want to be a part of that. Ugh, I try man. to talk to these people. We don't want none of that. I finally talked to her. And I don't think it was a guy. I think it was a woman. She goes, new joke. And I was like, uh, that's two words. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's that kind of hurt. <laughs> Yo, God, it hurt. Because yeah. thinking about it now, I was like, oh, my God. I don't ever want to deal with that again. But yeah. that comes with it, man. And I think that's the only way that I feel like you can do comedy is you yeah. have to take that chance. You have to be willing. You have to I be saw willing. One of the first impressions, you know, we were talking about Bryant. And I, my first, like, thought just visually, I was like, eh, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. This guy's chasing a weird dream. Uh-huh. Um, we were at Narbar and it was just not a good vibe. Like the whole thing sucked. It just mm-hmm. it was late. It mm-hmm. was only common six comics. It was upstairs. Just you not can hear a, the music downstairs. Yeah, that bar a, is epic, bro. Yeah, bro. It's Shout something. out to Joyce, by the way, yeah, man. She she, she 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 has she has she has a interesting. That's a that's a job. She has yeah. a job on her hands, but. Yeah, it's a it's it's a thing. Let me go ahead and not cut you off. Go ahead. I don't so care. Bryant was doing what now? Oh yeah, Bryant. He he um. Oh God, I don't even remember what it is now. Fuck me. He uh, he he tried heckling a guy in the back, and uh, it was just or he just like tried engaging the audience, and this guy was just sitting back, drunk as fuck, just an old guy at the bar, and um, he's uh, he's he just asked him like. What's your name, sir? And the guy just looks at him and goes like, these nuts? And the whole play, like everybody, it was just so well-timed and so fucking hilarious and yep. such like a yep. fuck you to Brian. Yep. Yep. It was just so funny. And Brian, <laughs> he came back a little bit, but it was just like. That was know? the moment. Yeah, the, the the funny was in the crowd that day. That happens more times you believe, yeah. though, man. And sometimes, you know, some people take that. They'll be like, I want to quit copy forever. And other people say, that happened. And I think the the ones that I think stay good at this or keep being better at this mm-hmm. are the ones that can have those moments and they yeah. still want to come back. Sometimes yeah. you don't have nothing in that moment. Sometimes you got to take that lump and just and just sit on it. How do you how do you stay like like or how did you get to a point where you don't um like cuz I want to be experimental and stuff, mm-hmm. but I care like I, I think care I too care much. too much. Yeah. yeah, I care too much. So it like ends up inhibiting me. So like, how did you get to a point where you care less? Like, what did you? I still did you, care. Yeah. I still. The hardest thing for me is I still care. I take these things personal. Yeah. But I remember <clears throat> at some point what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Then I remember like how cool it is. Yeah. And how it used to be a scary thing. The mm-hmm. idea of people staring at me. Yeah. And I'm talking, and I'm like, yeah. what are they judging me? Oh my mm-hmm. God, I'm scared. Yeah, or they're going to think these things right. because you act that way. And right. then I, like, I manifest it. Right. <laughs> like but, idiot, yeah. but it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And even when it did happen, it didn't hurt nearly yeah. as much as I thought it would. Mm-hmm. And then it became a thing where I would notice it, but then I would still be, I'd be more excited to tell you this joke, mm-hmm. this concept, yeah. this idea, this thought, yeah. and see if you laugh at it because I think it's funny and it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Then. Me worrying that it's going to fall flat and you're going to judge me and go, he's stupid, he's dumb. Yeah. I like the positive so much more than the negative mm-hmm. that I'm willing to risk dealing with the negative. And I don't know if, if Jordan said or somebody else, somebody that probably made a comment like, I love winning way more than I hate losing or something uh, like that. Yeah. yeah. I'm like that with comedy. Yeah. I love the idea that this is weird. I was thinking about this driving over before that audition. 
I remember thinking so much about how I just love the fact that I could just be like, I think this is funny. Mm-hmm. Let me drop some notes down. Let me do some thoughts. Okay, let me go to this mic and do it. Or let me go to this show and try it out. And then it hits. And I'm just like, where else do you get that chance? Mm. I mean, maybe like if you're a religious leader or you're like, uh, I don't know. Just spitball to a bunch of people. spitball to a bunch of people and you get instant yes or instant no. Yeah. I love that. That's one of the things that I don't even think, I don't think AI can replicate that. Yeah. That I don't I don't know if AI can give us that feeling. No. I don't know if they can give like and I'm talking about when I say us here, believe it or yeah. not, I'm talking about the comic. I'm being selfish right now. I don't think AI can give us that feeling. I don't think of they satisfaction. Can, the satisfaction yeah. that comes with, man, I think I think this is funny. Yeah. This is crazy. And if I say it like this, Oh, let's just do it. And you just and go do it. The the feeling, and I've only experienced it in little tiny little tastes. I feel like I've been sipping taking sips of a cocktail as like mm-hmm. a you know Doing like thirteen year old. Yeah. Um but like that feeling of the of like saying something and then having like twenty five people, that's like the max at a good open mic. That's what's having up. like a bunch of people laugh at it. It's yes. like shit, hell yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's so crazy. Yeah. The feeling of being an outsider yep. and then going to open mic, seeing other people or going up to a show, seeing a bunch of people go up and being like, Damn, look at them do that. Like look mm-hmm. at them get all these laughs. And then you go up and then do your version of that, and it works just the same. Isn't that it's crazy? like, oh shit, look it's it. so cool. Yeah, that's it's awesome. The, that's why I'm able to keep going. Yeah, that that is just like for me, bro. There's there's no personally. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's you know I have my kids. You know my son doing something, and looking back at me, going, I did it. He's proud. My daughter doing something, being proud that I'm there to see it, or just yeah. them just existing and. Being who they are, my daughter's fourteen, my son's twelve, wow. and so they're growing and they're figuring stuff out for themselves. But it, it, that 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 feeling pales. That's cool. I mean, there, there's there's so many other things I have going for me other than comedy. Mm-hmm. But if I'm just talking on the comedic standpoint, yeah. Oh my god, dude, that's that's drugs. That's yeah. literally, it's free, and mm-hmm. it almost feels criminal that right. we don't have to pay sometimes more to do this like i know that people pay to see us at times and mm-hmm. like obviously if it's a show it's a different situation mm-hmm. but when it comes to open mics and stuff yeah. i hate the concept of it's therapy and all of that because you do know that people really do need therapy if they yeah need i therapy, say that but i, I, I don't say that I've, okay. I've heard people say that i have no disrespect for it and but like, at the same time i'm like here's yeah. where you're wrong yeah because your job remember our job is mm-hmm. to be funny yeah entertain entertain yeah. and be funny we're entertaining under the guise of being humorous mm-hmm. and sometimes i think people will miss that part and they just yeah. say what they want and then if people laugh it's like <laughs> and i'm just like that wasn't funny you just yeah. said a bunch of shit i yeah. called it what it is and yeah. so i love talking to the audience afterwards and that's one of the first things they tell me is to say you know because i Sometimes I have a little bit of a message in there too. Yeah. And they appreciate that. And yeah. I tell them, I take this shit serious. I want people to feel better. Even if after I'm done talking, mm-hmm. they go back to feeling bad. They go back to being downcast. Yeah. It's like I'm an orgasm. You yeah. just gave them you a little, down. they just made them come a little bit. Just a little you bit. You know, I feel like shit all day long, but mm-hmm. while the, that, like, the, I saw a meme a long mm-hmm. time ago of, uh, 
of a little storm cloud and then uh, a guy jerking off and saying like, haha, can't get me when I'm coming. Like yeah. that brief period of time while you're having like that orgasm, you feel great. Yeah. And that's, that's like what comedy is. Like we're on when, both sides. Yeah. You're, that's a great analogy. We're both sides. Yeah. Cause we're you're feeling that too as the performer. Yep. Yeah. 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 As soon as it's over, we're all back to being depressed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah. Or I mean, I mean, that feeling after having like a good time. Yes. And then like coming off, you're like, oh shit. That's like, the best. Like yeah. Last night was one of those. I think yeah. last night was, especially because I had the New Year's thing. The New Year's one was totally out of like left field. Like mm-hmm. I was, I had already did my last show of the year, and then New Year's popped up and was like, bitch, you think you done? Let's go. You think you're done with 2022? I ain't done with you yet. Cool. And so I ended up um, getting such a good, getting in such a good groove last night. Mm-hmm. Eh, show number one too, because usually you know you. I don't ever think there's. I don't think I've had a bad show number one yet for these. I call it the birthday challenge, whatever you want to call it. Usually my first shows are pretty good, and then yeah. somewhere in the middle I start petering towards the energies dying or yeah. whatever you know hope knock on wood i'm a knock on wood not too hard it's not like that because yeah. i do my best to, like i said i've tried to prepare for every single show individually mm-hmm. and i'll write down the set and i'll say okay this is how much time i'm doing here's my goals my objective little notes on the margin i might say this joke here perform this joke mm-hmm. like it's the first time you've ever told it mm. Like, cause there's certain jokes I have. My energy has to be different to tell certain jokes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want this joke. I want the act outs to be big. I want to be big when I do this. Everything else I can be small. Mm-hmm. But for this joke, I want you to really dance. I'm not going to jump up and hurt myself, but I might flail a leg. I might do my hands. I might change my voice. I might do my mouth. I got hair now. Mm-hmm. And so I'm starting to think more of how I look when I do certain things and my hair will shake. I, I look at all of that. That's yeah. stuff that I take into, um, you know, if I have skinny jeans on, I think about that. Mm-hmm. If my shirt, my shirt looks a certain way, I think about that. If my shoes are a certain way, I think about that. Yeah. If the audience is sitting in a certain place, I go, okay, okay, you got a pole right there. Make sure the people on the other side of that pole feel included. If you have, you know, theater and around set up, I mm-hmm. think about all of that. Yeah. And so when I'm preparing, I'm not just thinking about what I'm doing on stage. I'm thinking about how the audience is seeing me from off stage. Yeah. I'm thinking about how I sound. Is this a place? This is something I used to have to do. I haven't had to do it so much now because I don't beatbox as much anymore. <laughs> but I used to think about acoustics. Yeah. If I had played a place before, yeah. a lot of music venues are were my favorite places to perform because their sound was so crisp. And so you could hear me coming up. I'm... <laughs> You know, I was up there doing stuff. <laughs> we'll, you, we'll sample that shit. Please sample Let's that. Let's go. I would think about that, and I'd be like, yo, I could do some voice stuff, or I could play around and, you know, do echo. You know, I could yeah. just play with different things. Yeah. But if I knew that the sound, or I'm going to be outside or something, there were certain bits that I wouldn't even do. Yeah. Because I knew that it wouldn't sound. You just die. It wouldn't sound worth damn. Interesting. You know? And damn, so, you're making me so excited. Good. To, like keep get, going to like should. i can get to a place where i'm like i can totally like relate to that because like what you're saying is like fun it's yes fuck. It, you 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 have to take in the fact that you're doing something i don't know what the number is but it's a very small mm-hmm. segment of the population yeah not of the country of the world oh yeah that even thinks to do this and have fun with it yeah like, there's a lot of people that think like oh i'd like to do that like, but they don't but they don't or they like try it drunk one time or mm-hmm. whatever 
which is something that I like that you tell people like you want to get on stage, come I and get it. on stage. I mean that's yeah, every 100%. time. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's like uh yeah, but it, what you're saying, it is like a very like small amount of people that actually are like yeah, let's try it. And, and, let's and do it. And if you go to the people that actually do it, yeah, over and over and over and over. Every time I say over, mm-hmm. it deduces, it reduces. Yeah. I mean. It gets smaller and smaller. Yeah. How many guys have been doing it for 10 years? There's probably a lot, but there's probably not, though. (laughs) Not a lot. Like, it seems like a lot. It seems like a lot, but it's not. You'd run into the... You'd eat your own tail after Mm -hmm. a while. You'd be going around the horn, and eventually you'd come back and go, oh, I'm back at me, you know? So just keep doing it. And, And... I don't know. I don't want people to think like if you if you got to take a break, take a break. I got plenty of friends that have taken breaks. I've yeah. never taken a break from comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had like things come up and stuff like that, but I still kept going. And it's not saying you have to. I know people that took. Excuse me. I know people that took a break and mm-hmm. they came back just fine. Yeah. I know other people that took a break and they had to start from square one. Yeah. And I know some people that never came back or they talk about it all the time, and they're like comedy adjacent. You know. Yeah. But I tell people everybody's story is their own. For me, it took me 27 years to get here. 26, sorry. Yeah. It took me 26 years to get here. Mm-hmm. And in the 26 years, I lived, I was married, I was working, I had kids, I graduated college, mm-hmm. I did this cool thing, I played football, I did all these different things. Mm-hmm. And then when it was time for me to do comedy, that was when I was supposed to be there. Yeah, I believe that kismet, I believe in God, I believe in all these different entities needs different ways these mm-hmm. energies that bring you where you're going and because of that that's why i'm here yeah that's why i'm here when i'm here where i'm at yeah. that's it you know and i i take i let everything else take care of itself that's that's i think that's that's good for me to hear because mm-hmm. i you know i always dabbled and really wanted to do it and would like write all my premise ideas down but mm-hmm. then never perform them because of like you know my own issues and um like I started last year when I was 27, mm-hmm. I had just turned 28. So it's like, I feel right. like, like some people are like, yeah, I'm 22. And mm-hmm. like, I've been doing it for three years. You're like, fuck man. That's weird. Right. I'm behind. Ain't it weird? And you see Dave Chappelle, you yeah. see Chris Rock. Yeah, who are just see... like kids doing it yes. in Central Park and shit. You see yeah. uh, uh, Jerry Seinfeld. You see all these guys who yeah. started so early. Yeah. But then you get a chance and I got to get more into her story. I still don't know all of her story. Leslie Jones, you see mm-hmm. her. She did it for, I feel like, I swear, she started comedy before I was born. Yeah. I might be wrong. Maybe she didn't. Maybe she didn't start in 1986. That's when I was born. Mm-hmm. But uh, either way, she had did it for so long that when she showed up, she wasn't fresh-faced. It. She was a regular person yeah. <laughs> that was a comic. Well, though, yeah. And that's, that's, the, uh, that's like, um, like Sturgill Simpson or name yep. anybody that's like they lived a totally normal life and yeah. then didn't like come out of the scene until they were you know like 40 45 it's like that if you're like um i I don't know how because i don't know him but Mm -hmm. like i don't know and i don't know his personal life but like bo Mm -hmm. burnham Mm -hmm. if you're 20 years old doing a stand like a comedy central special that's like setting you up and i don't know how well he's navigated it um like his art is incredible. I, mm-hmm. I love Bo Burnham. Same. Um, but uh, like that, who can possibly be ready it's, for that? It's it's case by case. Yeah. His thing was, yeah. and I know his story a little bit, is that he started on YouTube. Yeah, I he remember started, I was watching him on mm-hmm. YouTube. Okay, so you yeah, saw, so my you buddy's saw. like, "Hey, check this out," and yeah. it was like a three point one four apple pie, and it was yeah. like this kid singing a silly song, and I, was, and I became like. I don't know. He spoke to me. Yeah. Well, he spoke to so many people. And the yeah. beauty with his story is that 
and he's not that much different than a lot of the people that he grew and his audience grew at the same time. Yeah. And he just hit at the perfect time and he just yeah. stayed true to himself. Yeah. Which is ultimately what we're all trying to do. Yeah. Age, in my opinion, has nothing to do with that. Yeah. That like a 40 year old could do something that other 40 year olds relate to. Yeah. And all of a sudden they turn 41. Mm-hmm. He's talking about birthdays. He turned 41. They go through a divorce. He's mm-hmm. talking about divorces because he's been through it. And they're yeah. watching it in real time. They're going, oh, damn, I recognize that. I think like that. I feel like that. Yeah. And Bo Burnham, in all intents and purposes, he represents that generation of people mm-hmm. that, and I don't know how to describe it, but, you know, it's obviously it's right below millennial, but it's not it's right above millennial. Wait, no, no, no. No, it is it's millennial. millennial, but yeah. it's, what is it? The tail end he's of the, millennial. There it is. That's yeah. what I was trying to say. He's the yeah. tail end of the millennial. Yeah. And a lot of his feelings of angst, a mm-hmm. lot of his feelings of, everything's on fire and it's going yeah. bad and all of this stuff. And I don't know. I don't like myself. If I'm, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know if I like myself. I don't know if I want to be here. All those feelings are shared and mm-hmm. echoed. And all he's doing is he's the tuning rod for that. You know, yeah. he's literally, that's it. He yeah. is. And he, he's like the peak of it, you know? Yeah. And it's so weird because that is going to keep happening. And a lot of people go, Oh, well, how did he do that? Cause he did. Yeah. You have something that you can do as well. It may yeah. not be singing into a camera yeah. and recording it for 1.5 million people Dude, to see. That shit was insane. I love all of it. I yeah. love the fact that he was able to do that during the pandemic. It was it was um his two what and then mm-hmm. I forget the name of the other special. Make happy or Make happy. Make yeah. happy and what leaning leading up to inside were mm-hmm. both like amazing like just like you watch it it's like so unique and mm-hmm. so thought out and so mm-hmm. clever and just so well done and well orchestrated that yep. you're like damn this guy's on something different yeah and then in- an alien. and yeah and then inside just like it blew my fucking mind i love and this is this is gonna sound so fucked up but i don't give a shit mm-hmm. i love what the pandemic did to art it and did I'm gonna a talk lot of about, good things. I'm going to talk just about, well, I'll say art. I'm going to leave art and yeah. say the umbrella term art because there sure. were so many things that came out that weren't just stand up in music mm-hmm. and media. Mm-hmm. Like you look at, um, I just, I made a joke about NFTs last night. I was joking with the audience and I said, uh, how did your years go? And like a, a vast majority of them didn't, like I said, because I talked about 2020. And everybody agreed, obviously, universe, uh, unanimously that 2020 was a bad year. Yeah. You know, go not to 2021, yeah. not that much better. Yeah. <laughs> but then you go to 2022, and I said, well, how about 2022? Yeah. And it was like, only a few people said, yeah, fuck that one, too. Right. And I was like, oh, so some of y'all did good. And then somebody, like a dude, that laughed in the back. And I said, oh, you must have got some of that NFT money then, didn't you? <laughs> you had the picture of the damn dude making a face like this. And he said, $3 million. And so yeah. I was doing that. But it was fun for me because I thought about that moment. I said, dude. That shit didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Like it existed, but the public knowledge and perception and understanding, or at least attempt to understand, yeah. along with the, you know, all of the Ethereum and all this other stuff that popped up, these things weren't at the forefront before we were like, I don't want to be close to people. Yeah. I don't know if I feel comfortable being in crowded public spaces. Or I used to do a job that had me go to the office for 40 hours a week. But now, you know what I want to do? Whatever the fuck I want to do. I want to do what I'm good at, and I want to sell that. I don't want the government to come after my actual bank account. You know what? What bank account? Mm -hmm. I have a digital currency wallet or whatever. I I don't even know all the terminologies for it. But the fun thing for me was that I felt like during the pandemic, 
it put a lot more emphasis on individuality. Mm -hmm. And I saw a lot of people becoming who they really are. I saw a lot of comics do it. Mm -hmm. I saw a lot of non-comics all of a sudden become entertainers. I saw a lot of people that I felt like if we would have just kept working on the outside, I'm going to outside, mm -hmm. um, we maybe not don't see these things for decades, if ever, you know? It did this weird thing where uh, in the very beginning, especially, um, and like now we're getting, we're seeing like the outcome of all this like yeah. weird stuff. But in the very beginning, I had this weird feeling and this weird feeling kept going for like a couple weeks mm -hmm. and I remember talking to friends and being like it feels like there is there was like a bizarre energy in the air mm -hmm. and it wasn't bad it felt good it mm -hmm. was and I had um, another friend Cougar who was just like I feel like I'm experiencing like a spiritual awakening right mm -hmm. now and I it like just that. it just felt like that's when I started this podcast it um there was just it. so much that like that happened in the beginning just from the act of turning everything off yep. so like we can't go to work anymore yep. almost uh, almost everybody can't go to work anymore so right. like we're pushing the pause button on literally almost everything yep. and i was like hell yeah i think that's really healthy for society then Same. it lasted too long and it fucked shit up but like the initial like just saying like we're gonna pause for two weeks i was like that's actually probably really good for people's mental health. Yeah. Like give everybody a two week vacation. Cause we're all freaking out. Give us time to reassess and realize that we're all humans yeah. on this spinning rock doing these jobs, like counting numbers, like, yeah. like find out what it is that you're supposed to be doing. Yep. You know? Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. And, and just to give a crazy, just, just to kind of put an even more crazy perspective for myself. So notice I said, I've done this since 34, right? Yeah. So the 37 show thing. This is however old I yeah, am. 30, this time yeah, I do yeah. the birthday challenge, right? So that means the first year I did it was probably like when I was 34, which mm -hmm. was when I, it was 2019. Yeah. What's the second year I did it? COVID, baby. Now, my birthday, like I said, it's finite. It's always the same time. Yeah. But when I start, it's a little earlier, a little later, depending on how much time it is, right? When's your birthday? February 8th. February 8th. So put to, put it together real quick where I'm getting at on this. When yeah. did the pandemic go crazy? When did everything shut down for it most was, people? It was February, wasn't mm -hmm. it? It, was it happened in February. Technically, it was going uh, in February. But we didn't shut the NBA down. We didn't shut NCAA down. We didn't shut MLB down. God, NASCAR. I was so bummed. The awards. We didn't shut down yeah. uh, South by Southwest. Uh -huh. We didn't shut down any of that stuff until March. Yeah. Guess who it did damn near 50 shows before the world shut down yeah. in one year? Damn. This dude. Wow. And it was almost like, it was like, you talked about needing a break. Wow, that's so funny. Think about you it. You just like, it's it's like naturally, like you got a bunch in and yeah. then everything and shut everything down. And everything shut down. Wow. I did, because I did, I really did 40 because I was trying to do 30, I think it was 35, 34, whatever okay. the number was. I was trying yeah. to do that many shows. Yeah. And I always book more because I know that just through life, yeah. things are going to get canceled, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh. You know, like yeah. when everybody else is like reeling, you know, like, like from, shit. oh my God, I don't yeah. get to do shows. And I still lost a lot of shows. I still lost. Like, I remember I had to cancel when the pandemic really got crazy. Mm -hmm. I had to cancel like um, a shit ton of shows and it actually happened twice. Yeah. I ended up having to cancel. Um, I was on a tour mm -hmm. and I had to go home. I had my kids with me. Yeah. And what happens during spring break is they usually go with me when I travel. Yeah. And so I had a show, I think the next show was in like McAllen, Texas or something. So the last show I did was, was South, but they're not close because Texas 
fucking huge. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was in Corpus, which is where my kids are from. So I left from Corpus, went to Victoria, did the show in Victoria. We were supposed to have a show in Houston. Houston show gets canceled. We're supposed to have a show in Austin. Mm-hmm. Austin show gets canceled, right. which coincides to when South by Southwest is happening. And at first, we're like, wait, so South by Southwest is canceled? Well, our show is still happening. And I remember people yeah. were trying to put together like last minute festivals because of South by Southwest getting canceled. Mm-hmm. Then everybody slowly made the decision to just cancel. And so my last show, I remember I was supposed to go and do a show at McAllen, Texas at mm-hmm. a Sino Ray. And I remember it was like, we weren't going to get paid. We were doing it all in the hus hus because at this point, everybody was like realizing that the important thing to do is just to, you know, yeah. be inside. Yeah. And yet there were still some people that are like, fuck that. We got these shows booked. We're going to do them. We're just not mm-hmm. going to tell anybody about it. And I remember thinking like, well, I could do that too. Yeah. But I got my kids with me. And I remember thinking like, well, it's not just me anymore. You yeah. Know, and, was, and at that point, you didn't know what it was. You didn't know what no. it was. You didn't know how serious it was. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, it was like a death sentence. You didn't yeah. know what it was, you know? And so I remember having to say no. I had to mm-hmm. call and say, hey, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be able to do the show. And I apologize. And that was like the last time I talked to that person for like a year. Damn. And I'm pretty sure they were kind of pissed at me because I got little, little, little rumor mills of Courtney is a jerk because he was just such and such or he's a germaphobe yeah. because I stayed going for yeah. like almost over a year yeah. from comedy. I did all online stuff. And funny. if you saw me, you saw me at a distance. See, that's funny because yeah. like I am a nurse and I was in the that's hospital. Was so like my perspective, I'm like, fuck this shit. You had to be out. Well, you were needed. Yeah. I, I saw, I saw it and I was like, like the people that I saw who were getting really bad. Cause my unit turned into a COVID unit. Okay. Um, the people that I saw that were like really, really bad were just like baseline. Like this guy's got diabetes, kidney disease. Everything. Yeah. He's got like everything going on. And then on top of it, he just lays in bed and moans. Like he's not yeah. trying. We're telling him like, you got to cough that shit up. He doesn't do anything. He's yeah. like, we got to get up and move a couple times a day. Doesn't Does. refuses to do it. Just like lays in bed like a slug. And, um, It was just like, so like my perspective was just like, you know, more than likely, like if you're, you know, relatively fit, you're going to be okay. Don't like go infecting a bunch of people. And, you know, if you got it, stay home. But like, and then I caught COVID and it sucked, but I got over it. So I was just like, yeah, I'm good. All these, it was just like the, the perspective of like being in the hospital versus Mm -hmm. just like not being in the hospital beforehand right and like learning or hearing about and stuff it was like totally different it was terrifying for yeah. me well, i yeah. had no i had no kind of concept of it mm-hmm. all i would go off of was hearsay and they're like all right it's attacking minorities and black yeah. people people with asthma i'm yeah. black i'm not the best of shape yeah and oh, i have asthma know. oh that's not and good. i'm just like yeah, I think I'm gonna back off. Well, yeah, bit, and at the know? beginning they started; they were throwing people on ventilators left yes. and right, and and that was just a recipe for disaster. Okay, like, they don't recover well off off of ventilators. So, like, it was something like if you were in the hospitalized for COVID and yeah. you were having bad symptoms, and they felt they needed to put you on a ventilator, you had a ninety five percent mortality rate. rate that's yeah. crazy so like five percent chance of getting off that ventilator Jeez. and it's and it was, that was like terrifying. that and it was like everybody that got vented died like that was the scariest everybody. thing to me yeah, and i remember crazy. we had comics passing away and yeah. at that point i was just like i'm gonna have to back off i've never and that's what we were talking about earlier yeah. kind of got some thought of the breaks and i was like i guess i'm gonna take a break and then of course the online stuff started and yeah. so that break just did not happen yeah. at all it was just like 
I guess I do Zoom comedy now, you know? And Which is like a whole, I've never watched a Zoom comedy show, but I've heard that they are not the best. It's hard, man, because if it depends on who's running it. It depends on the setup. It depends on who's there. Yeah. If there's actually people there that want to laugh and they're willing to turn their mics on and turn their cameras on, yeah. it can be a good experience. But if everybody there is just comics mm-hmm. and you're just pretty much trading jokes and then the comic that goes up is just going to tell jokes and not have any kind of regard for what's really happening around them, yeah. it can be a bloody painful mess. And I've yeah. seen it in every version that you can, but I remember I learned that I have to sometimes control the environment. And so what I did is I said, screw this. Let me put my stuff on gallery view. Mm-hmm. First of all, let me change my setup. My setup is going to be this giant PC, not too much smaller than this here. That's oh, my shit. screen. Let's go. And then let me put everything in gallery mode. Let mm-hmm. me stand it up. Let me set it on something that's probably about this tall. So now I'm standing up as the performer. Oh, fun. I have my green screen behind me. I got my lights. Yeah. And I have a nice headset. I have some small stuff that's low profile with my mic on it. Yeah. And then when I perform, I stand up and I perform as if I'm at a club. Yeah. And then when I'm performing, I'm not looking at myself. I'm looking at the other audience members that are there. Yeah. And I can talk When would to you them. look at yourself? Thank you. Yeah. I just I just had a conversation with my barber this morning about that. I said, mm. he started to do the podcast stuff. Shout out to uh, James Mackey. James, what's up? He's um, talking about, like, you know, getting nervous on camera. So I said, well, mm-hmm. you got you to gotta change your setting. Change mm-hmm. your setting. By, don't look at yourself. When would you, when would you tell your, your, your sermon? When would you preach to yourself? When would you mm-hmm. preach to a mirror of yourself? Mm-hmm. Never. So take that damn camera and turn it that way. Mm-hmm. And you just, the only thing you know is you know that there's a phone right there. But then once you start getting into the world, you start thinking, don't even worry about what you're doing. Just know that that's where you need to orient yourself, yeah. you know? And so with me, when I did that, my shows got so much better. Mm. The performances were freaking fine. It was one of those things that I still knew I was not in the same room with these people. Mm-hmm. But there were times where I would forget and I would just be playing and having fun. I started hosting my own show. Well, that's fun, and, and and all at the end of the day, what that's doing is just keeping you. Yes, sir. It's not it's not quite the same, but it's still like keeping you in shape a little it bit. Did. You're my not running outside; you're running on a treadmill. My writing got so much better. Yeah, my writing, my timing, yeah. uh, my understanding of you know pauses and breaths, and you got to think mm-hmm. I was doing comedy at six years, mm-hmm. six years by this point, and wow. when I did COVID, that's bizarre because not you, six years, yeah. seven years, seven, yeah. whatever. Let's wow. Times. Yeah. yeah, I've been doing it for seven years, and wow. I had just been going, going, going. And so this was the first time I had to pivot mm-hmm. ever, yeah. you know? And yeah. it taught me so much about just the idea of understanding space mm-hmm. and time. And that sometimes, you know, even though I'm talking a lot now, you don't have to say it all in one breath. Yeah. That you can be like, <clears throat> hey, guys, how are y'all doing? Yeah. I'm glad y'all are alive because, man, you seen the COVID, like, patients and stuff? They said 95% of the people that get on ventilators are going to die. Yeah. They made suicide easy. Just get COVID. You know, like, little stuff like that, you know? And that's not a joke. That was just me trying to demonstrate. Well, that's it it made me smile. Well, thank you for that. It's just me trying to demonstrate before doing Zoom stuff. I might have said that all in one chain of breath. Like, I yeah. might have been like, hey, what's up? How y'all doing, man? Y'all see this COVID stuff, man? They said 95% of the people are going to die if they get on the ventilator. Yeah, I made suicide a lot easier. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, well, the, and, but pausing and timing is, like, so important, right? You, you do it, and it, it's – I said two different things. Yet I said almost verbatim the exact same grouping of words. Yeah. 
but yeah, they're just they were different totally energy. Different. Yeah, yeah, it was completely. different energy. And yeah. you're doing it and you're talking to people. They're looking at you and now they're like, oh, is he waiting for us to respond? Yeah, like, what's he going to say next? Yeah. yeah like, what is this? You can get them in so many ways. And yeah. then the thing I learned, not to beat the point home, is that when I brought that shit back mm-hmm. to the real world, the outside world, my performance got so much better to mm-hmm. where, like, I was talking about how I didn't do a lot of physical stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to. Yeah. I still can. Yeah. But when you can sit still and not move an inch and hold everybody's attention with just your words, that's when you know your writing has gotten better. Mm. That's when you know that your timing has gotten better. That's when you've learned breath control. That's when you've learned um, rate of speech. That's when you've learned to trust your material. Mm -hmm. That's when you've learned to do your homework before you go to a place. I've had places that... I probably told damn near 80% of the same jokes that I've told anywhere else, but because I prepared for the show in such a way that I knew where I was at. Mm -hmm. I knew that this was a fill in the blank type of town. Mm -hmm. I knew that the local hero's name was this such and such. When I performed there, you can't even compare to the other place that I did the same jokes because they're two different shows. So you just like go online before and you say you're in McAllen, Texas. You just Sometimes go online just and just McAllen, Texas and you're like, you just find out what's going on over there. The first time. Just so I you can know, have some maybe. local, local stuff or like if you've repeated, you're saying you've been somewhere multiple times, you kind of get a feel for the mm-hmm. place. Yeah. I could go in. One of my favorite jokes I ever told when I went to a place, this is, this is Laredo. There's a place called Laredo and this venue this is probably the third time I performed there. I had headlined, I think, one time before. So this is the second time headlining. And I remember the street name. Mm-hmm. I couldn't pronounce the street name because no, a lot of things are weird. But I remember sure. I was looking at it and I said, I think I know how to say this street name. I said this in the car. Mm-hmm. I think my boy Joss Castro was with me. I'm not sure who I was with. I think it was Joss. But uh, I remember I was like, hmm, the street name is Eater Bide. Mm-hmm. And I remember I go, I think I know how to say this street name now. I don't remember if I said it in the car or not, but I may have. But I got on stage and I was like, eat your day. I said, yo, I know how to tell people where I'm at now. I'm like, go Charlotte, eat your day. Like that was the way I did it. But yeah. that was a moment that the audience laughed at because if I do that joke anywhere else, yeah, no. they don't know. Yeah. But I did it there. Those locals loved the hell out of that yeah. joke because they were like, yeah, you know, hey, eat their B day. That's yeah. where we eat. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but that's how I said on stage. They still laugh. That's funny. Yeah, that's well, a joke that I have in the tank. That if I'm ever in that venue again, or, like, and you're on that street, go to it. Goes to it. That's and it's funny. Just, it's through experience. But yeah, little stuff. Experience. Uh, some of these places I know people from there. I mm-hmm. may have played football with people from there. Yeah, you, I want to talk about that too. Go for it because I'm a huge football guy. How cool! Yeah, where where did you play football at? So I played for obviously I played high school Austin mm-hmm. Reagan, which is now Northeast fucking whatever the hell they named it. Mm-hmm. It's Reagan, and yeah. then I played for Texas State. I did one oh, season in JUCO, and I did one season in Texas State. I got cut before the season started, so I don't uh. count it. But I was still there. I went yeah. to spring ball. I did all the workouts. I got my head knocked in. I got my CTE. Yep. I even got my damn um, settlement from the NCAA when they got sued because of the college football game thing. Oh, really? Yeah. How much was that? 
five okay. bucks. Some oh, stupid. That's it, One time I got a I got a settlement and I was like, oh cool, I won a lawsuit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We won. Yeah, we twelve dollars. Exactly. That's yeah. this some bullshit. Yeah. You got to cash this by thirty days. It's like, yeah, this like, whatever. Time. Fuck you. Yeah, that's but that's cool. So you were uh, you were what position were you? Defensive tackle. I was gonna say. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Wow. One of the big uglies in the front, man. But well, D D, D line's fun, man. Dude is nasty. You got to be nasty. To do yeah, it. you do. You got to be nasty being an O lineman. That's what I was about to say. You got to yeah. be nasty, but not as nasty as. Yeah, it's a different. It's different. Yeah, they're different. The yeah. offensive lineman is like. That was the kid that bit his mom's tit when she was breastfeeding. You know, <laughs> they're they're animals, dude. Yes. They're they're bizarre. Just like, born with a mohawk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you, so um, what? Uh, I guess like uh, what? In, what? What was it that like drove you for football? Like football. Why were you so passionate? About I it? loved it because, and I always want to make it clear. I love the games. Yeah. I fucking hated practice. Yeah. And I hated film study that, even more than uh, practice. Dude, that was my problem. It's like, I yeah. fucking hate practice, but yeah. come game time, my, this is my favorite thing. I feel like yeah. a dog let off the leash. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I knew my love wasn't there. Yeah. Because all of yeah. this stuff that, like, we were about to do a callback. Yeah. The destination versus the journey. Yeah. I wanted the destination of football mm-hmm. more than I wanted the journey. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I that did. brings that in like you you restating it in that it like it makes a lot of sense. It's 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 yeah. pure facts. Like, Cuz that's like that was me too. It's yeah. like I want to play in those big games. I want to play games. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to practice Monday five through day Thursday. Week. It sucks. Monday through Thursday. Yeah. You got to do the workouts. You got to yeah. do the pre-workout. You got to go watch film. You got to yeah. watch team film. And you got to mm-hmm. watch your coach talk shit to you because you didn't do something right and you're like it's practice yeah. but they're like you need to go full speed and i'm like if i go full speed and get hurt y'all gonna put the next person up yep mm-hmm. that's how it works yeah you know what i'm saying yeah. and i'm the walk on and i'm going against dudes that got scholarships and yeah. i'm living in regular general housing paying for my meals yeah. whereas they're on scholarship and their stuff is free yeah you know that's they, hard they, they, it's a different world and yeah. i remember when i got cut i'll never forget when i got cut i was relieved yeah I I'm had I had a what's the stupid shit called when you have to go to the, the, the study hall. Mm-hmm. I had study hall. Give me my time, dude. Y'all got enough of my time. Yeah. Well, I got I had to do six hours of study hall. I think it was six or eight. It was if you're six. passing your classes, what's the like? The, what, well, what I was wasn't. I, wasn't oh. the class. I took. Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I transferred. Okay. Yeah, I had a freaking uh. I had one of them stupid uh. What is it when you get there? Your your grade is pretty much just the test that you take. Uh-huh. Classes is so I transferred into a class like super late. Mm-hmm. They put me in history. Fuck that uh, that uh, uh, academic athletic academic uh, what is it advisor? He put yeah. me in the wrong class because I transferred from a junior college to a four year institution. The numbers were different. Like you know, mm-hmm. like thirteen ten versus thirteen oh one. The numbers were all fucked up. So when I get to Texas State, I get put in like because I'm still technically a freshman. I guess going sophomore. They put me in like the freshman entry level history, mm-hmm. and so I'm in that damn thing for like a week, mm. and they're go- they're covering shit that we have already covered in my junior college. I'm like, maybe they're maybe they're just slow here. Maybe they're gonna speed up or something. Then once we got like to the second week, I was like, I don't think I'm in the right fucking class. Yeah. I think I'm supposed to be in thirteen. If this would be thirteen twenty or whatever the fuck it yeah. was. I think I'm supposed to be in the next one. So I go back and. They're like, oh, my bad. And I'm just like, the fuck you mean you're bad? You just like wasted like my time. Yeah. And this is me just not being happy about being in the wrong class. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is me just not being happy about being in the wrong class. And so I get to the next class. They transfer me over. They move me to the next class. We got to test the next week. Oh, you're fucked. Yeah. So I get like 
man, I got like a 50. And keep in mind, like I said, junior college to, to four-year institution, we are like short form answer. Mm-hmm. And not all open-ended, but there was like an essay at the end of mm-hmm. it. Junior college, man, you're filling in the blanks and Dude, shit. You're, multiple choice yes, and shit. man. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, well, I know history. I shouldn't be bad. Baby, I got like a damn 50 on the first test. That sucks. So, so then you had to gra- do this. Thank you. What was my grade? Yeah. My average was a 50. And because you're playing football, yeah. they know every fucking thing you do. They know where you're supposed to be at. They mm-hmm. know what time you're there. I remember my head coach walked into my class. I had an 8 o'clock class. It was me and like two other guys. And the head fucking coach of Texas State, Brad Bailiff, mm-hmm. big six foot eight, uh, John Wayne looking dude, walks in. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're all just looking at each other like fuck oh shit this is real like because all those were freshmen and i remember he walked up on me before that class i was out on the phone with my mom and funny fucking story real quick i was on the Go phone with my mom and i swear to god like an eclipse happened behind me like i'm on the phone with my mom at eight o'clock in the morning not even eight like seven fifty yeah. seven whatever <laughs> i could just feel a hulking presence behind me like the sun got blocked out and i was like fuck you're a big guy oh, too. Thank you. That's what I'm trying. I don't yeah. think, uh, pe- guys, I am not small. No. But this dude was able to physically impose on me yeah. in a way that I hung up with my mom. Funny. I was like, "Hey, mom, I gotta go. <laughs> Something's about to happen." Yeah. He was like, "He was like, why aren't you in class?" And I was like, "Coach, it's at eight o'clock." He said, "Why aren't you in class?" And the second, "Why aren't you in class?" I just walked. I just tucked yeah. tail and walked to the classroom mm-hmm. and sat down. Yeah. And he goes up and talks to the professor. He points at all. Oh, Three of us sitting there, and we all don't know what he said, but we knew he meant whatever the fuck he said. Fuck. And it was probably something like, "If they fuck up, mm-hmm. send them to me. Let me know, and I'll kick their ass or something like that." But I literally got study hall off that one fucking Damn, test, and that so that one test, and I'm just like, "So I got eight hours. I got to tough it out because it's not easy. Like no. it's it's pretty much. I think it's like you do." How does it work? You're five days a week, so you do like probably what, one, two, and then one day you got to sneak in an hour and a half, which fucking sucks. Because <laughs> yeah. in college, you—I mean, you sometimes will have enough time to do that, but sometimes you don't. Yeah. And then you got to keep in mind—you just did practice. Yeah. You had all the—you had a regular class day. You had all these other things, and now you want to fucking go home and be a college kid. You know, yeah, you, you want to go to girl, sleep. You want to. You want to go to sleep. Games, you you got chill. some girls you're trying to talk to. You know yeah. all that shit. And so my mind wasn't on fucking football mm-hmm. my mind wasn't it was just want to be normal I, I was in college yeah. for the first time this is my first like i was i was in a junior college yeah i was in a junior college dude where we had guy dorm girl dorm texas state was a freaking co-ed dorm yeah every other floor was men women men women mm-hmm. i want to go do that yeah i want to go to the parties i want to go see yeah stuff. see and that's the thing about being a, a d1 athlete or yep. even d2 man d2 is just as serious and it's like you're devoting your life to that game. Yep. Like, I loved football, but I didn't love it to that point mm-hmm. where I wanted to even try. I thought about it for a minute, like, seeing about walking on. I went to a D2 school, and the team wasn't very good. So it's like, yeah, I was like, I could probably try to walk on. Oh, yeah. Um, But I just, like, I, I, the passion wasn't there. Like, I remember walking past a guy who was headed out to the practice field, like, late behind everybody else. And I had just been, like, you know, goofing around playing baseball with some friends. Yeah. And, um, like, I just, like, said to him, like, sarcastically, like, good luck, dude. And there was, like, a look of just that that drained, like, 
that I recognized is like how I felt in high school football. Mm-hmm. Like just that drained, I don't want to fucking be here right now type. Yeah. Like, fuck me. Like, you have to look. you have to dig into something. Yeah. There's something you have to dig in. But I ultimately think, and I might have just had this realization now. I'm pretty sure I had it back then, but I'm kind of feeling it again, is that if you like to do something, mm-hmm. I'm not saying you have to like 100% of it, but you damn sure got to like a lot of it. Yeah. You like gotta, it, you gotta like almost everything. Like yeah. I, 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 college football is my favorite sport. Like mm-hmm. I love college football, and I look at the guys who are playing it like at a super high level. I'm a Michigan fan, so mm-hmm. like my guys are fucking crazy, mm-hmm. and it's like the amount of dedication that yep. they have. It's like they have to be 100 yes. percent about it, like 100 yes. percent. Yes. To be Blake Corum, you have to be 100 yes. percent. It's not just that he's talented; it's that he fucking eats, sleeps, breathes that shit. One through 54 and it's really because you got to think that's only 54 on the travel yeah there's still like another 14 15 possibly 20 dudes mm-hmm. that are practice squad yep. they're walk-ons they're red shirts they're injured mm-hmm. they're fifth year senior shit now we got six year senior because of the yep. COVID years and yep. fucked everybody's time off yeah but these guys are giving their life in such a way that I remember that when I got cut, mm-hmm. I wasn't willing to do. You're like, hell yeah, thank you. I was like, good. You're not, yeah. I mean, but like at the same time, you're probably intimate with the with the fact that like only a tiny handful Small. of these guys, the freaks of the freaks, yep. are going to the NFL. Yeah. And to stay there, you have to be just on some other shit. Let me, let me break it down. You have to survive practice. Yeah. You yeah. have to survive practice and i am not overstating survive i can't even imagine survive i i think the first story of the difference between college and high school football we could even say we could even say uh junior college to 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 d1 i like high school to to college go high school to college that's like high school to college this is the first thing that i saw your facilities obviously are different. There's yeah. coaches for every fucking thing you can think of. And keep in mind, I was D1, like, double A. Yeah. So Texas State is still, like, we're FCS. We're not, yeah. like, necessarily fully full FBS yeah, or whatever. Yeah, like the MAC but it, yeah, yeah, but it's still D1. It's still the coach is rich. Everybody's rich. Yeah. Uh, here's your change, all right? The size of the athlete. Mm-hmm. Everybody's huge. Mm-hmm. Wide receiver, six foot six, just walking by, doing regular things. <laughs> um your, your offensive linemen are all huge. I'm from Texas, and so we're not necessarily small. But every other dude is, like, humongous. Yeah. You know, I remember one of the guys that I played with in high school. He was a big six foot eight dude. Shout out to Randy McAdams. He's there, and he's, like, small compared to everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, I remember the first practice, and it's really the first workout, but we'll skip the workout story. I'll tell you that later mm. one day. Uh, the, the first practice, we – I'm a defensive tackle. Yeah. I'm defense. Offense is offense, defense is defense. We are the ones that are supposed to dominate people. You know, offensive linemen are nasty. That's yeah. you expected. They hit you after the play, whatever. Fuck. But <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter how long you play, you'll still say fuck them. Yeah. Um, I remember a play in which the defensive end, starting defensive end, I won't name him, but he goes like, you know, when the play goes, you're, you're defensive end, you're supposed to have outside contain. Yeah. So if they pitch, you're supposed to either take the quarterback or the running back or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Or if it's like an option or whatever, he hands it off. If the quarterback's the first out, you take the quarterback just to make sure he doesn't keep the ball. Yeah. Well, quarterback hands the ball off, right? But it's one of those clever hand it off, but act like yeah. I'm still running thing. He runs, and instead of acting like he's running with the ball, he lowered his shoulder into the DN. Mm-hmm. The quarterback. Yeah. The starting quarterback. Jesus. Hits our DN and flies. Like, he goes flying through the air. Our starting quarterback, quarterback. Yeah. 
the starting quarterback just did this, and I'm looking in. It wasn't an accident because you know, sometimes you can accidentally run into somebody, yeah. you know. No, he did a her, and I saw him charge up, and he like stood over him like her, bitch. And yeah. I yes, and I'm looking like that was a quarterback. That was the starting quarter because I remembered that was the starting quarterback and the starting DN. Yeah, that's Damn, what son. the starting quarterback did to our starting DN. Damn, that guy's a monster. Thank you. Yeah, and I'm just looking like. Oh shit! This is different. And I put my shin strap on. You're like, can I do that to him? <laughs> no, because I was like, baby, if that's the starting DM, if that's yeah. just happened to him, I have no chance. <laughs> yeah, like what the fuck just happened? Why am I here? You yeah. know, like I was. Well, that's my buddy. He was he was a moose. Like this guy, yeah. he wrote, he was like you know of like uh, under five second forty, like oh, fast God. as fuck, six five. That's terrifying. Just built like he walked. His mom was like a, she was a track coach, and she taught him and his brothers to all walk on his toes okay they're the balls of their feet for their whole life so they yeah. like they all the three of them the sweet brothers they walked on their they walked like horses yeah and they had calves the size of your head yep. and this guy was a fucking freak like a freak and he would go to these combines all over the country because yeah. he was being recruited he was a d-end uh-huh. and he would just come back and be like bro you have no idea these people they're they're all monsters yeah like you think i'm fast you think i'm right, strong right it's insane right yeah it's and, a whole like it's a whole it's it's like they take you said it earlier the freaks they take you all together yeah. and they put you all together mm-hmm. and then you look at each other and you're like I'm better than you I'm better than you but then this guy in the back like it's that old thing where like everybody's like yeah. but there's the guy in the white suit sitting in the back just smoking a cigarette with the light barely on him and his yeah. hat down yeah. and we're all like I'm a monster I'm a monster and then that dude walks by and everybody's like He's a monster. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, oh shit, what is that? And that's yeah. an NFL player. Yeah. Oh, or no, a future no. NFL player. Well, or worse, that's like his little brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're looking yeah. like, wait, yeah. what? Yeah, that's just like he's he, in eighth grade. Well, that that's what I love. That see, that's what I love about college football. Mm-hmm, because it's just like you have everybody is like, you know, there's people different like skill levels, all like learning how to be that thing or yeah. trying to be yeah. that thing. You know, I watched a video of uh, Michigan's training um, in the off oh, that's season. Fun. That's fun. Yeah, and they were they were showing their weight room, and I felt like I caught a glimpse of this this thing that they do, which is like seemed very militaristic, like okay. where they had guys, everybody was hanging from a pull up bar, yeah. and they had a coach saying, you know, like up, oh, yep, down, yep, mid. Uh, and just yep. like doing everything in unison. Everything's bought in. You yeah. buy in. It was crazy. It was so cool. I was like, man, if pff, I want to do that. But at the same time, like I, my heart really doesn't. You, you, I want to do it for the glory. When and the you fun. do it, like you, your mind, and this is just to give idea of the psyche of a person. When you're in it, you're in it. Yeah. It doesn't matter how crazy it is. If yeah. everybody's doing it, you're doing it. Yeah. But the moment you get a glimpse of the outside world, the mm-hmm. freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you're you, in college, there's hot girls yes. everywhere. You're just like, I want to like smoke weed yes. and like hang out. Like yes. my friends are going out, I can't go. They're going to place on spring break. I saw that every day. Yeah. I left from a regular. Like if, if you're in the athletics dormitory, mm-hmm. you're somewhat removed. You're somewhat in yeah. like the the bubble. Like they had the NBA at the bubble. You're somewhat in a bubble, right? Yeah. Because they would all stay together. I remember it was so mm-hmm. fun because they were, my homies would take care of me. They'd drive me because they knew I had to pay for my stuff. So sometimes they'd buy my lunch for me and then they would drive me back to my dorm because I was still a freshman slash sophomore. Yeah. But they all stayed together. I stayed where the civilians were. Yeah. You so say with the saw, animals and you're like, I want to play. Yeah. And yeah. I'm seeing them and like, yeah, the football shit's dope. Yeah. But these girls is dope too. Yeah. These parties is dope. San Marcos is not a small place. And I mean, small, but at the same time, the university is big and it's mm-hmm. my first time there. Yeah. 
I stayed on a little small. I was in Ranger. That's yeah. what, if you ever heard of a place called Ranger, good. You said it's a little town called Ranger. The college was called Ranger. Our mascot was Ranger. Mm-hmm. We were the Ranger Rangers of Ranger. You know what I'm saying? And I went from that. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, I'm fresh out of high school, yeah. right? I went from that to all of a sudden I'm at a university, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, oh, this is fucking dope, you know? Yeah. And and so when football came up, football was an afterthought. Like yeah. I still loved playing football and stuff, mm-hmm. but man. I'm fighting. I'm the fucking, you know, odd man out. Everybody's already been here for a season. Mm -hmm. I'm walking on. I'm not the biggest. I'm not the fastest. I'm not the strongest. I don't know everything. And I somewhat got by off of physical strength. I wasn't the most technically sound person. Even in college, I mean, in comedy now, I'm not the Mm -hmm. most technically sound person. But I have natural abilities and attributes that I use that benefit me. Mm -hmm. And so with football, it was the same thing. But the difference in football and like everything else is it shows really quickly if you're not. And you can work it out. Mm -hmm. But when you're having to go against dudes that can bench press 500 plus pounds, Mm -hmm. can run, like you just said, under 540. And oh, yeah, they're six foot seven and like 320 with like 15% body fat. Yeah. It shows real fucking quick who's really doing it, who's not. Yeah. You know, and so I remember when I got cut, my friends were all shocked because I was always the, sp- the physical specimen out of all of us. Mm-hmm. Everybody was like, well, man, you were the one we thought we were going to go to the NFL. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, I guess I'm not, you know, yeah. and that hurt. Yeah. But it didn't hurt as if I was like, oh, my God, I really want to do this thing. and I'm not being allowed to do this thing anymore. Yeah. It just hurt because I was like, damn. People really thought that about me. Mm. And I had hear it all the time, but I never believed it until my peers said it. Yeah. When my peers said, I had coaches say that shit all the time. I was used to that. You know, I was getting recruited. I heard coaches say that. Yeah. But I remember when my homie, Chris, said it. And I was like, what? Like, this whole time we were competing against each other. He was mm. still doing kind of the Juco ball thing as well. But he had kind of stopped, like, right before I did. And I transferred to Texas State. So everybody was like, that there works. It there yeah. it is. Here it comes. Here yeah. it comes. He's going to ascend. And then for me to get cut, yeah. it was like whoa it's real out here type thing yeah. for other people you know yeah and i was fine with it i, I was yeah. i was i was so good bro i kid you not i was so good and that's one of the reasons why i named myself simply courtney mm-hmm. is because i tell people when i played football bro like on the game on the game time that was me being who i was but when i was in practice i had to be this other person mm. when i was in study i had to be this other person when i was in study hall i had to be this other person when i'm in the locker room i had to be this other person when i did hang out with the other team you know other players i had to be this other person but when i'm on stage yeah that's me that's that's me. you that is i like that me. i like that a lot you're seeing you're hearing like when i talk about hearing him and stuff mm-hmm. that's as close as we're getting to hearing him on stage mm. Because I've spent so much time having to check different parts of who I am. I have to, I have to, you know, not be too high. As a black dude, you can't be too high. You can't be too low. You literally have to play middle. But when I'm on stage, that kind of goes out the window. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be perfect anymore. I don't have to be formatically sealed. I don't have to be technically sound, you know? Yeah, I'm you're still, being yourself. I'm still able to be myself, and it comes across in such a way that people go, damn, it's like, do you ever write? Like, I get that sometimes. Like, do you ever write? And I was mm-hmm. like, yes, I have to write these things. But I know who I am as a funny person. And because I know who I am as a funny person, mm-hmm. it looks easy. It looks as if I'm just bullshitting up there. But if you watch me in enough shows, you can tell, oh, shit, there are bits there. That's a bit. That's yeah. a bit. He's opening and he's closing with a bit. He's talking in such a way that's a bit. 
But I'm not going to deny that I can't do crowd work and riff with the best of them. I can. That's a natural attribute that I have. But I also do the work mm-hmm. that when my riffing isn't working, it's time for me to do these damn jokes. Yeah. These jokes are jokes that I've written. These are jokes that work. If they don't work, at least I went down. New Year's Eve, when that shit didn't go well, mm-hmm. the thing that I was proud about the most is that I went down as me. Mm. I went down as Simply Courtney. I didn't go up there and start all of a sudden trying to be somebody else. I'm going to be Bernie Mac. I'm going to be Kevin Hart. I'm going to be Jim Carrey. I'm going to yeah. be Jim Gaffigan. I'm going to be all these other people. Instead, I said, let me just tell the jokes that I've been telling. Yep. And when my time is up, my time is up. That's, I mean, that's, that's a beautiful philosophy. And that's, uh, I really like that that's kind of what you're about, where a lot of people go on stage and they play a role. Yeah. You're doing the opposite. I have to. I, yeah. I can't. I, I've, I'm... 36, about to be 37, and you don't know how much time you have. That's one of the things that pandemic showed me. You yeah. don't know how much time you got. And to be faking and shaking, it's, it feels like it's too late for that. Yeah, it seems stupid, too. It yeah. doesn't, it, you know, that satisfaction that we talked about, like, getting when you, like, when you do what you want to do. Yeah. It's like if you're faking something or not being yourself or just saying jokes that other people think are funny but you don't think is funny, then you're kind of like, it's like, what's the point? Isn't that the weirdest shit ever? Yeah. It's like, why the fuck are you doing it? Yeah. Why are you, why are you saying shit that you don't believe in? Yeah. Why are you saying well, that's like when I like? said the other day, like, I had that moment where I was like, Psh, I don't don't believe in this bullshit like what's going on guys like i'm not doing this right now right you know and and i I love that i love that that's some of my best moments and i think that's some of other comics best moments too is when they just say fuck this yeah you just say fuck this and just go yeah so what um what do you think the um importance of comedy is in the world and your job as a comedian what's like what where what is you know what I'm let's trying go to ask? Small. Like, what's important? Let's about go, that? I guess, was it micro and then we'll yeah. go macro. Yes. Micro for me, my importance of comedy is showing my kids that you can, you can, hmm, let me not, let me, let me think. I, I hate, I just spit shit out sometimes. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Did I really oh, I do that? the same thing. I just but start it, talking. It's real. I mean, I've had this question posed to me before, but micro. So me personally, mm-hmm. why I'm, comedy for me is important and even how it's, I'm important in the grand scheme of things is I'm showing my kids that you can express your, yourself because mm-hmm. it isn't just humor. I talk about ugly things, sad things, happy things, things that make you mad, etc. Um, it's important for me because I not only one show my kids that there is a way to just be yourself and be okay with it. As mm-hmm. a black dude, oftentimes we're supposed to only be angry or sarcastic and funny mm-hmm. or sexual yeah. or fighting or whatever it is. But I can go and use all of those experiences that I've had in my life, the sad ones, the ones that make me scared, the ones that make me ashamed. Mm -hmm. And I'm able to take those things and put them out on display Mm. and show other people that your shit is okay. It's who you are. Yeah. I still have things I'm ashamed to talk about. I still have things that I'm scared to talk about. But I have a little bit less than the average person. You know why? Because I go on stage every night and I talk about a lot of those things that make us go, ugh. Yeah. A lot of those things that go bump in the night that we close the door yeah. on the closet and it's sticking his hand. I'm like, mm-hmm. stop. You don't want people to see you. I talk about that. And so because of that, I'm in a privileged position to where I'm able to take life's ugly moments mm-hmm. and let you know that you can make pretty out of that. Mm. I show that to my kids every time I perform. Yeah. When they're there and they see me perform, they hear me talk about some ugly things. They hear me talk about some of the things that are ugly for them. Mm-hmm. But people are laughing, and then when they come away with it, they see that the people are talking to me not in a, that joke was funny. Instead, they're like, oh, that thing you talked about, did that really happen? Yeah. 
wait, it really happened? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I embellished a little bit because I still have my artistic yeah. license to do stuff. But I'm talking about things in such a way that it's funny, it's relatable, it's real, mm-hmm. it's jarring. And I love being able to do that and have my kids do it, uh, see me do it. Because I'm not a professional football player. Mm-hmm. I'm not a professional cab driver. I'm not a cook. I'm not a anything. I'm, I'm, I'm simply Courtney. I'm yeah. just a comic. Yeah. And so that's why it's important for me, self-expressing. I want my kids to always feel comfortable expressing themselves. Yeah, that's so important. And I want to support them. The fact that you do it in front of uh, in yep. front of your kids is pretty interesting. It's it's it's, just, it's interesting and it's it's fun because whenever I feel like, man, I don't know if they like me anymore. I don't know if they funny. think I'm cool. Yeah. And then other people would come in. Like I did a private show and my son was with me, my twelve year old Titan, he was mm-hmm. with me. And he was it was the weirdest setup ever. We were in somebody's backyard. I don't know if I can describe it to you, but the stage is right here. And then like the backyard was over there, where the audience was. Mm-hmm. And then um, my son was sitting in the living room, which there was a, 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 a what do you call it? A screen mm-hmm. window. So you could hear everything inside, outside. And there was a door. And so everything, you could pretty much hear everything I said, but he was still able to like be comfortable in the room by himself. Yeah. But he was like, I told him like he was in a spot that if he needed me, he could say something mm-hmm. and I would be able to hear him from the stage. And I yeah. always tell him when I'm performing, if something happens and you don't feel comfortable, you can come out and talk to me. They're really yeah. bashful, so they don't want to be in front of everybody. Yeah. But I tell them I'm your dad first and I'm yeah. just comic for them second. Nice. And so I always tell them that wherever y'all are at, I want y'all to be somewhere where I can talk to you or you can talk to me, mm-hmm. you know? And so he was there. So he's hearing me and watching me tell jokes to people from a different vantage point than everybody else's because his most people get to see you from the front yeah he's seeing me from behind so he's just seeing their faces and yeah he's like watching from almost your point of view. yes yes and he's come he has there are people coming in to go to the bathroom yeah and i remember after the show was over he said i was like so what do you think he says oh yeah you were funny you were good yeah you had him laughing and stuff and i said cool he said and then what he's i don't know how he came up but he was like yeah, and they kept coming and going, oh, my God, you must be so proud. Your dad is so funny. Oh, cool. He tells me that. Wow. And I'm like, that's the shit. That, fuck how much I got paid for it. When yeah. I get to have shit like that yeah. happen to me, happen to my son, and then my son tells me about it. Wow. That's fucking dope. That's cool as hell. Yeah. That's so good for him, too. Yes. That's so good. Like, he's seeing you. He's probably going to want to do it himself. He's talked about it. He's yeah. talked about it, and my daughter's talked about it. My daughter, to me, is the funniest person that I know. Yeah. My, my, my 14-year-old, bro, she, yeah. she is just naturally a funny person. Mm-hmm. And my son, he's naturally funny in his own right, too. Yeah. But she is, there's a level of humor that my little girl, Simone, has uh-huh. that I don't see in comics. That's funny. It's just naturally like, it's almost as if it's like, are you funnier than me? Like, this is a little shit. Like, and I'll be mad. I'll be like, yeah. how the fuck are you able to think of that shit? Like, she could tell me stuff and just floor me. And my son is not too bad himself. Yeah. He's just, he's just, he's goofy like But he's me. a 12 year old boy, too. He's a boy, and yeah. it's different. It and, is and different. My daughter, she she's probably just, got a little bit of sass and just dude, like creativity with like her attitude. She can say something to you in, yeah. in, in just a sentence. Yeah. That'll rip you to shreds. <laughs> like she has the ability to just, like my son can say mean shit. Yeah. But she can actually say mean shit. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that you're just like, Hey, she meant that. Like, yeah. it, it ain't no You're joke like, I about felt it. that. Yeah, yeah, That's I felt funny. that. Like, yeah. she's put me in my place a handful of times. I've been like, hey, hold fuck up. Like, you know, yeah. like, but she's, she's the coolest person. But That's um, awesome. what was I going to say? So, macro. 
Yeah. What, why is comedy important? Comedy is important. Yeah. Is, I say this on stage almost every night that I perform. Mm-hmm. The world is such an ugly place at times. Yeah. It's such a painfully ugly place. It's painful, bro. And sometimes all we get is the brief. We talked about it a second ago. When we're mm-hmm. talking about, we use the metaphor of sex, the orgasm. Yeah. That for a second, respite. everything is great. Yeah. And in the moment it's done, it's back to the shit show. Mm-hmm. And so for me. Or there's even, I, I mm-hmm. find, not to interrupt, but no, I interrupt. find that there's a little bit of a uh, for yes. feeling for maybe like 20 minutes afterwards. A, a good song or a good show or something. And that goes else, for the so. comic and that goes yeah. for the, 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 the audience. Yeah. But I've seen moments, man. I'm telling you, I've seen moments where people were going through something. And I've experienced it myself. And I didn't know it. Mm-hmm. I did not know it. I went up and I performed, man, and I'm done. And then that person comes up and says, hey, that part you said about, thank you for that. I need to hear that. Yeah, that when My, you were talking shit about the Jews, like, thank shut you. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> but I've had people come up to me in moments that I didn't even think this would happen. I'm yeah. just doing the job. Yeah. I'm doing a private show at an apartment complex. I'm standing in this nice, ritzy, you know, pool area telling jokes. Mm-hmm. A bird pooped on me. Yeah. It's water going around. I'm like, are these people even really wanting to hear these jokes or do they just want me to get out the way so they can get in the swimming pool? And then a the dude walks over to me and tells me my, I don't know if his mom or dad had just passed away or something like that, mm-hmm. but that he was dealing with that and that me telling jokes and then me talking about some of the things that I talked about because I have little mm-hmm. moments where I'll get poignant and I talk about how important I believe the fact that we're getting outside again yeah. is because during the pandemic, we lost a lot of that. We lost a lot of it. We, we, didn't, we didn't realize how scary things were. Mm. Then the pandemic happens during 2020 especially, yeah. and the world shut down. Yeah, shit got real, real you, fast. You couldn't go to um, big gatherings. You, you, the movies and all these things stopped. And all of a sudden it came back. Mm-hmm. And I felt like we all got a new lease on life that, yeah, things happened that sucked, that were horrible. But at the same time, it gave a lot of us a new perspective on things to where we were like, oh, I can't wait to get to that big gathering. Yeah. I hated going to gatherings. Now I want to go. Dude, I was like concerts, man. I yes. want to go to a concert. Yes. Yeah. South by Southwest got canceled. Uh. Do you understand how that first South by Southwest probably felt for the people that went to it? Oh, dude, it probably was amazing. Yeah. What about sports events? Thank people you. are fucking crazy at them now. Listen, listen. Thank you. NBA. Mm-hmm. You know what they did? Forget the bubble. Do you remember that time period when the NBA wasn't happening, but all mm-hmm. the dudes was out home looking for something to do, mm-hmm. and they was doing stupid things like TikTok dances, or they did a, a stupid-ass horse game or something like that yeah. via Zoom, and dudes was living in clinics and stuff? Do you remember how it looked when they finally got together and they played in the bubble? Mm-hmm. You could tell those dudes were so excited just to be around each other. Oh, yeah. Then, was... little by little, they started letting a few people in. Mm-hmm. Then, one day, they said, you know what? Just this row here, we're going to let people in here. Yeah. But everybody has to be vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And then that first game happened where, and I think it was a football game, if I remember correctly, where it was like a full, like, bottom half of the stadium. Yeah. They all still had to be vaccinated. Yeah. Then, one day, it was a little bigger. Then, a little bigger. Then, all of a sudden... We kind of forgot about how it was, you know? Yeah, and, and that's, we, like, what bothered me. And I feel mm-hmm. like is part of something maybe, like, it, that, like, as comics, it's, like, our position to, like, bring into perspective. Like, hey, do you remember this crazy shit that mm-hmm. just happened? Do you remember what it mm-hmm. felt like? Mm-hmm. Like, it felt crazy. 
and like like the fact they canceled football yeah. like they they something that has been going on every year like college yeah. football yeah. they for for generations canceled. now canceled over canceled yeah it was crazy school canceled yep school's done canceled everything <laughs> yeah it was, i think i don't to me to this day i still can't i still can't even believe that that happened yeah it was wild that it was like I'm like I'm I'm like there's so many crazy things I almost feel like well, and I almost want to knock on wood and say hope they never happen again. Ooh, but buddy. but it's fire because here's the the, the positive of it. I was yeah. trying to find a positive is that we now know how to respond. Yeah, like graduating. Mm-hmm. Oh, you went through you made it through this horrible ass year. Now you're graduating. Guess where you're gonna do it in a stadium mm-hmm. <laughs> outside. Yeah, sitting ten feet apart from each other. Bizarre. Everything. Yeah. Everything. There are pictures. There are pictures that came from the from the oh. COVID time mm-hmm. that will like never get back. Like you see these guys. There's this this baseball game. It's it's so crazy. There's like a fire. Mm-hmm. I think like it was like a forest fire or some big fire going on in the background. And then there was like a bunch of cardboard cutouts. Yeah. Weird. In the stadium while they're playing a major league baseball weird dude i have a picture of kids playing at recess it's Mm -hmm. like a a bunch of like little like i don't know fucking like first graders or something and they're all like they have squares yeah drawn in chalk and they're all in their separate square it looks like some dystopian horrifying shit you got that i remember the concerts dude Mm -hmm. we could we could we could talk six hours about what happened to the entertainment industry during this when we finally almost felt like we were trying to take back our individuality Mm -hmm. i remember the coolest thing i thought that happened during the pandemic there was a shit ton of them dave sapel started doing and i don't know if this is gonna be a short subject for some people but whatever dave sapel starts doing these damn uh like half comedy show park concerts up in Yellow Springs, uh, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And it's like in a freaking field. Yeah. It's like a gazebo situation or pavilion. And they're performing and people are sitting outside in chairs mm-hmm. with lights and cameras and stuff. And they're watching world-class performers and entertainers in front of them. Mm-hmm. I remember at one point it was raining. Mm-hmm. And people still stayed in their chairs to watch the you see, the, the performance. You see what Burt Kreischer was doing with the uh, the car shows? Yeah, well, that was the next thing. Yeah, You're doing the car shows here in the stadiums, but you don't do the stadium. You use the parking lot. Yeah, you have people. There were guys here. Um, what's the name? Stephen Farmer. He was. I think it was a few others too, but I know he was the one here in Austin. They were doing comedy shows in parking lots. They were doing comedy shows in um, uh, uh, parking garages. Wow. You know, and mm-hmm. so the way you, I did a few of them where you not his shows, but I did a few other ones. And the audience would like hunk their horns or they'd flash their lights. And that's mm-hmm. how you knew if they were laughing or not. There was so yeah, much that's that funny. happened during this time period. It's crazy. That it, 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 I think it made us stronger. It made us appreciate things. Mm-hmm. And like just to get back to the macro of why comedy is important yeah. is it allows us to escape. But mm-hmm. it also allows us to be honest and real with what's going on. Yeah. Like you could go and any Sunday there's a reverend on stage, mm-hmm. pulpit, whatever. He's telling some harsh truths, but he's also mixing in a little bit of humor. Mm-hmm. You can go to any music performance. More times than not, one of those performers is going to say something or do something funny. You go to the grocery store and you just watch strangers interact with each other. Mm-hmm. At some point, they're going to laugh. They're, gonna, they're trying to make each other laugh. They are. Yeah. All of this is performance. All of this is, I'm going to say something to you mm-hmm. and see if I can get you to laugh. Yeah. That's why comedy is important. Yeah. 
everybody's not walking around trying to make each other cry. Mm-mm. Everybody's not walking around trying to make each other horny. Mm-hmm. Everybody, I mean, a lot of them are, but let's just leave that. Alone. I am. <laughs> he should speak I'm for yourself, joking. Courtney. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> but no, but but everybody, I think that for the most part, we're all trying to make each other laugh. Yeah. Or at least be human. Yeah. And, and 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 I think that I mean, if we really want to say it here and just take our comedy thing that we think is so important. Mm-hmm. I think that more people want to make people laugh. They want to make people cry, yeah. make people come, make people die, yeah. make people remember stuff, make people long for something, make people want to be like them, make people want to be like somebody else, make people want to change who the fuck they are, make people want to give them money. All of these things, I think that making people laugh is way more important. I think it's, it's, it. I think it's like making people laugh by being honest. And it's like telling the truth and maybe sometimes exposing the truth and getting people to all let go of whatever tension they hold on to that makes them believe. um, And this is for me very macro is not what I am. I'm not capable of practicing this, but like what like the great comics that I look up to do is like it helps people to like believe something that otherwise they wouldn't ever think or believe because they hold on to something so hard because it makes them uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's partially about like taking the things that make all of us uncomfortable mm-hmm. and making it so some, we can talk about it mm-hmm. and like realize it for what it is. It's like if you've ever taken like mushrooms or something like mm-hmm. a psychedelic, mm-hmm. there's things that like normally you know, I don't have a good example, but like you see emails or whatever, you send emails to people, you get emails back. That's whatever. You don't think about it, but you take mushrooms and then all like you and your friends like start talking about emails or somebody sends an email and you both like kind of have this indescribable realization about what is just emails are just so silly. Like I'm communicating with this person without Mm -hmm. even talking. Mm -hmm. Like I'm sending them a message with only my mind. And it's like ones and zeros. Yeah. And there's like funny buried in things that you don't think are funny and you realize things and you learn things about yourself. And that's what like a really good comedian can do for you. Absolutely agree. They can, they can make you realize things and like, Oh my God, what? You know, that's why I love Seinfeld. I'm, I'm going to date myself for a little bit, Seinfeld's but I I came up in a time period where I'm, I'm, I'm a child of the Mm nineties. And so you had Carlin, you had Seinfeld, you had obviously the, that was the, Towards the end of Richard Pryor, mm-hmm. you have Eddie Murphy coming out. You have the whole that run of Deaf Comedy Jam. Mm-hmm. You have all of these, you know, these people that are taking comedy and they're becoming rock stars by just talking about what they see. Mm-hmm. They're not going out and like, and that's why John Leguizamo is still my high of high mm. because he put on clothes, he yeah. danced, he had music, he had lights, he really made a whole show of just himself and his life. Yeah. And that was so different at the time when it happened because you're looking, you're going, wait, wait, he's different. Yeah. This is funny, but it's sad. It's captivating. Yeah, it's that's what I like. That's it's, why it's, I like Bo Burnham. It's like yes. there's like sadness involved. Yep. Like yep. there's depth. It's like, it's real. Let me cut, look, fuck this. Let me, <laughs> let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Yeah. That fucking song, I don't think that I can handle this. Mm-hmm. It's the damn burrito song, the Chipotle yeah. song. The fucking Chipotle where he's like, I don't think that I can handle this right now. I oh, don't yeah. I think that I don't handle yeah. this right now. Yep, yep, um, yep, yep. I, if, if you would have told me it wasn't going to feel, I can't do it like yeah. he can. I don't want to do it. But that is probably one of the single most 
beautiful, yeah, tragic, amazing. I'm trying to use my words right on here. Point. It was yeah. so wow. That's the only way I can describe it is wow. Because mm-hmm. he he takes so much and puts it in such a small thing. And I always go back on this one and the pandering song. Mm-hmm. Cause I think the pandering song is so dope, like the country thing. Yeah, it's like pandering. Yep, yep. pan- I think that one was dope because that was my introduction to him. A coworker. Mm-hmm. This is show you how long ago I learned about Bo. A girl I was working with, I think, showed me him because mm-hmm. I had already started doing comedy before I stopped working my um, Parks and Rec job, and she showed me this guy that was able to sing and do this. And she's like, "Cause because they know I like to sing, rap, yeah. or whatever." It's like, you know, this is what he does. And I think you'd probably like it too. And of course, I'm like, bitch, fuck you. Don't show me no fucking comic. I'm the comic. Don't show me no other comic. It's just me. I'm the only comic you know. But anyways, I saw that and I was going, one person can do all of that? Yeah. How the fuck is he funny and talented at singing? Mm-hmm. And it sounded like a good fucking country well, that's, song. That's like the Lonely Island. That's weird. Yeah, it's like really they, they, they're they funny, yeah. but also they they got Sound sick good. beats. It sounds yeah. good. It sounds legit. Yeah. yeah, It's the weirdest thing, and it was it was, it was intimidating. So yeah. I remember I saw I saw, I'm rapid, I saw Bo Burnham do that, uh-huh. and I remember going, what the fuck was that? And then that was like my glimpse of seeing this alien. And I never saw him again for a while, while, while. Yeah. And then I end up, you know, I don't remember how I came across him again. Maybe it was YouTube or whatever, but either way, I just remember that fucking song. I, I, I remember the first time I saw it, mm-hmm. it was genius and it was cool because, you know, I love the Kanye West shit. That's, yeah. the, that's the best thing and it looks good. Yeah. The lights and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. The lights are just perfect and the fact that he's auto-tuning yeah, and he has and, the wind. Ah, God, it... it God, as somebody that like I fuck with sound design a lot, yeah. I listen to that. I'm like, bro, you don't even do this. Like, how do you? How did he? It sounded good, yeah. right? Yeah, very. It's like yeah. it, it looked good. Yeah. Then when you start thinking about, it, that's the part that fucks me so hard right now for this. Okay, is that it sounds good. Mm-hmm. It looks good. It's funny. But then you're like, wait a minute. Is he telling us something? What does it mean? Yeah. And at the end, I remember watching, and it's, it's shaking me up right now, because I remember watching somebody. So the first thing I wanted to see is I wanted to see if, if, if what I was picking up is the same thing everybody was picking up. And, of mm-hmm. course, in the YouTube, which is why I love YouTube, I go in the comment section, mm-hmm. and they're talking about what the fuck he's really saying. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. it all makes sense now. This is a metaphor. Mm-hmm. This is no fucking burrito. Mm-hmm. No. This is life. Yeah. And, and I was like, but wait a minute. But I was like, wait, that's what he does. Yeah. This whole time he's been doing that. Mm-hmm. We thought it was just goofy shit, but no, 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 no. No, dude, no. look at, uh, so like, mm-hmm. the, 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 I got a song for you. It's called Art is Dead. It's mm-hmm. back when he was probably like 20 years old. Like, is this when he's on the computer? I mean, on the um, keyboard. Yeah, and yeah it's confronted. like in his first like I'll comedy album or whatever. Art is Dead. I'll send you a link after Please this. Do. Where it's like, it's like not funny at all. And I, when I think of it, I think of me at like, like 16 years old, mm-hmm. like mowing my lawn mm-hmm. and just listening to it and just being like, just like, feeling this like emotion that i don't get in like most of the music that i listen to which was just bizarre coming from this guy who's singing about fucking hitler and shit right and you're sitting there and you're like there's no way that this is comedy anymore and it is comedy can be anything you want it to be it can and what was the net the net was the one that everybody was like oh well that ain't comedy Mm -hmm. i was like man 
I think comedy can be anything you want it to be. Yeah. It, it doesn't have to just be one thing. Because now you look at where we're at with, I think Dave Chappelle's a good example of it now. Mm-hmm. His shit's more of thought-provoking than it is funny. Yeah. He's like, dude, he's like a fucking just a... Preacher a, or whatever. Yeah, he's, yeah. Just, he's, holding, he's holding... Holding court. Holding court, yeah. 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 It's just and, like, welcome to the court of Dave Chappelle. And you're, you're okay with it. Yeah. You know? But the, 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 the bring up that thought, the, finish the thought of the Bo Burnham part. I remember reading through the comments, and I'm like, mm. what the fuck? That's what that was? Mm-hmm. And then I'm watching it again, and I'm like, at tears. Yeah. And I was like, holy fuck, yeah. that's what it was. But then I remember going, nah, that can't be. That could have just been one person's interpretation. Yeah. So then I told myself, you know how you can find out how a song really is? You watch somebody listen to it the first time. Yeah. This is this is some weird hippie dippy shit, but take Go take the it. trip with me. Uh, I'm on, you on. watch somebody experience that song the first time and you ask them what it is. I have a strong strong belief that whatever you perceive mm-hmm. is really close to what the reality is. So if we see something walk through the wall, mm-hmm. the first thing I say that thing was is probably close to what it is. The first thing you say what it is is probably what it was. Now, after a while, we start letting science and things come through, and it could have been a smoke cloud. It could have been a vape. I could have been on shrooms. The water was poisoned. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Hallucinations. Maybe yeah. I'm going crazy. But, but we both saw it. But the first time you see it and you tell, you say what it is, yeah. that's the most truest thing you get. That's why kids are so honest. Yeah. That's why when you hear a kid say, I don't like that, they're, they're, not, they have nothing, they're not built on anything. They mm-hmm. have a little bit of experience with shit, but it's, just, it's honest. So I watched a guy watched that performance mm-hmm. and try to describe what he thought was happening. Mm-hmm. He came to that exact conclusion. He says, I think the burrito is a metaphor for life. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're like, damn son. That yeah. guy's, he was like, like I, I, I watched that and it's just like, I have to like, I feel like a responsibility now yeah. to like create, like I, yes. like it's like, I, that was, like art in its purest form. Absolutely. Like, there's, I don't better. know if there's a better example of a comedian who makes like, just like, I mean, it's literally undeniable art. He's what he does. dialed into himself in such a way that I think that if he stopped and I pray that he doesn't, mm-hmm. but he always plays with that whole I'm yeah. done thing yeah. that if he stops, perfect. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. It, perfect. It, honestly, I'm not like, I like that. I like it when somebody hangs up the Jersey in their prime at or the prime, like, yes. or like yes. right at the tail end. Like honestly, Tom Brady, win that last Super Bowl with Tampa Bay, be done. You, be that. done. He should have did. He should have did in New England. Well, he, but then he went one, one, what, two more Super Bowls. Whatever. Yeah, I know. But it's that's it. But, but yeah, still that's the thing. It's like, just like be done. Like Michael Jordan. Yep. It's the shot. Yep. Be After done. Puss and Byron, was it Byron Russell, Byron Scott? I think it's Byron Russell. I don't know. It's been a while it's since Byron I watched Russell. the documentary. Byron, Russell play. Byron Scott played for the Lakers. Byron Scott played for the Utah Jazz. I got it. Hits the shot. Uh-huh. Retires. Yeah. Done. Mm. I'm the greatest. Mm-hmm. There's no argument. Yeah, you There can. still isn't an argument, just, just to be honest. I hate to say it. Love LeBron James. Love Kobe. Love Kareem. Love Bill Russell. Love Tim Duncan. All these people are in the conversation. Yeah. But they have to beat. You, you, video games? Yeah. When we play Mortal Kombat, you know, you move up to the next person. Mm-hmm. Michael Jordan is always at the top. Yeah, there's no... He's there's, never the third top, the middle bottom, the whatever. Yeah. He's at the top. The only the only argument that makes any sense or, is the level of competition around him. 
I don't think it was extremely high. You had you had every you had the bad boys. You had you know like there was still an extremely high level of competition. It's like if we, it's like playing a war game almost. Like a Mm -hmm. lot of historians like to like take different armies from different time periods and put them against each other and see Mm -hmm. what happens. It's like what would happen if you took you know the fucking like eighty was it what year name a year eighty five. Mm-hmm. Bulls won. No, we, oh, they didn't win in '85. No, they were still getting their asses whooped. Uh, they won their first one. I think was '91. Yeah, take the prime team. Take the prime them, and then take the prime you know team from today. And it's like, are they the we same? We don't even have one. That's that's, that's, that's what lets you know something. Well, you got. I guess you got like the gold. I'm not an NBA guy, you're so good, I'm talking good. totally you're out fine. of turn. But it's just like the skill level, like because the training is so much different now than it was. Like absolutely, it's just like these guys are like they're um, they're on like superhero type shit. And like, their dads were professional athletes. A lot of them, yeah. Their dads were professional athletes. Their yeah. moms gave them these great diets, these great genetics. Yeah, they've always had the best clothes, the best coaches they always had the best morale yeah so they're know? like and then they went to a college yeah. where it's like it's it was very competitive back in the day but now college ball is crazy mm-hmm. like ncaa college basketball is super high level mm-hmm. and so it's like are they the same are they not like i, you could, I, I don't you know could argue in every direction i feel yeah. like the only reason why i still put michael jordan over everybody else and mm-hmm. this is that case of me listening to somebody and then already having my answer before they even finished uh their well talk. i'm i'm in agreement with you They're, just saying the reason why he's better than everybody else is because when you start thinking of the greatest basketball players mm-hmm. take this into consideration he beat or bested damn near every one of them that was in his area mm-hmm. era mm-hmm. and then you can make the argument of after yeah because they say well what do you mean after he didn't play against lebron james well if you want to do the title count yeah let's just use the title count who has more? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, so he took you took your Magic Johnson, your what's his beat him, uh, be him he beat he Isaiah beat Thomas, he Kobe. beat Kobe. With, he didn't. So yes and no. He did, Kobe was still a, like a uh, baby. Yeah. yeah, he was a baby. He wasn't starting. Yeah, he was a high schooler, dude. He was he, in the NBA and he still guarded. Fucking him, crazy. It was like when Kobe was a rookie. Michael Jordan, I think, got his last one. Yeah. And this could have been his second season by this point, but either way. I remember there was the great footage of him in the All-Star game. Mm-hmm. And Michael Jordan said, that young fella, he don't give a fuck. He's going after everybody. And Kobe was like, you goddamn right. I'm going after that dude. Yeah. And true to the form, he did. But then that's the LeBron answer mm-hmm. is who won more? Yeah. Michael Jordan won Which more. Which is like, yeah. You know, and I so mean, it sucks because now we're talking about well, individual versus team and all that. But I was saying, Michael Jordan is literally in both lanes. He's mm-hmm. on the best teams and he's the best player at the same time and you watch the style of ball that was being played back then mm-hmm. and it's just different it looks it is, different like the way they play now is just like it's not even like i don't know like i look at lebron james and i don't like mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like he's playing with the like same ferocity he, he can't I, I tell people that the reason why lebron james is different than michael jordan this is the argument if we ever want to make an argument and i think i've brought this up on other podcasts the only reason why LeBron James could beat Michael Jordan. There's one thing that Michael Jordan couldn't beat him at. You ready mm. for it? Mm. Family. Mm. What does that mean? Because LeBron James like is nice to his kids, or Michael Jordan's not. I don't know. No. What does that mean? Well, let's just call it what it is. Michael Jordan divorced. Mm. All kind of possible allegations out there. Not like nothing, nothing crazy. Yeah. But divorced. His kids. They're they're. they're 
let me make it blunt. I'll make it very blunt. When you saw Michael Jordan, you seen him with his kids. It was like you saw Michael Jordan mm-hmm. and you saw Michael Jordan with his kids. When you see LeBron James, it's blurred. It's mixed. Oh, so he's you like see an his actual kids there. You see, and it's no disrespect to either one because yeah. they both have done way more for their kids than I can ever do for mine. Maybe. Who knows? But Right, right. Let me, let me knock, knock, let me knock on wood. Yeah, and also, I like you time. don't know what you're doing for your kids just in giving them a good father. Talk your shit. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you, Travis. Word up. Um, but when you look at that little stuff, right, you look at what he's doing for his kids like LeBron's kids are always there. Mm-hmm. We sometimes don't even know what the fuck Michael Jordan kids look like. And now mm-hmm. this could be media, but this brings me to my next point with this whole thing yeah. is that Michael Jordan did it when you didn't have social media on your fucking neck. Yeah. If you had a mistress, if you beat somebody up, if you killed somebody, you might be able to bury the shit, pun intended. Yeah. Whereas LeBron James is being great when the state Michael Jordan came into the game. He wasn't even the first pick. He wasn't even looked at as possibly the best player coming in. This is a good point. He was great, but he wasn't expected to produce and be great from Mm -hmm. day one. Guess who was? The other. No, LeBron LeBron James. That's what I meant. LeBron James was was, the prodigy. He came from high school. He's playing in the greatest. He was the greatest. They were saying, this is the greatest. This is the savior. And then guess what he did? He lived up to it. Yeah. He and every time he's lived up to it. When now there have been times where he missed the shot or he passed the ball or he flopped or he was traveling. Sure. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. Guess what he did? He did it. Yeah. He won a championship in Miami. We With said this, he was gonna do it. Yeah, when what? crazy hype around when him. He was like that's hard. Villain. That's almost harder. And then yeah. when he was done, what did he do? He went back to Cleveland. He went back to Cleveland and won a damn championship yep. there. Did it the right way, opened up schools, opened up facilities, yeah. did all these things with everybody watching him. Mm-hmm. Everybody got their phones out every time he goes somewhere. Yeah. We ain't got a picture of him doing nothing yet. They could say, oh, because his publicity's doing good. Oh, yeah. Either way, he's still performing at a high level. The man's 38 years old. Yeah, that's crazy. I want to give the audience something. If y'all even hear this part, because if it gets edited <laughs> out, it's okay. We, we don't edit talk for a while. shit. Sorry. Here's yeah. the crazy thing. Here's yeah. the crazy thing. You say you're how old? 28. 28. I'm 36, about to be 37 next month. Yeah. You ready for this? This Go might hurt. It, please. Don't take it offensive. I don't care. Both of us are old. Mm, yeah. When it comes to professional sports. Oh, yeah. We are really old when it comes to basketball. Mm-hmm. You say you're 28? Mm-hmm. 10 years. So, we'll, we'll say nine. You could have a nine-year NBA career mm. right now and retire. And they'd be like, he had a great season, great year, uh, a great, great career. career. Yeah. I could be really retired. Hell, I could be coaching. Yeah. I could damn near be getting ready to get to the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Guess what the the second guy, not Michael Jordan. Guess what LeBron James is doing right now? He's, he's older than both of us. Yeah, dude. He's playing, he's dominating, and he's in the conversation for shit. Do you think he's gonna keep playing so long that his kids are gonna play with him? That's crazy. And well, that's like happen. Tom Brady, dude. He's almost forty years old. And he is forty years old. <laughs> here's the thing. Here's what the you thing. got this thing about here's Tom Brady? About I could Tom tell Brady. you pulled back a little here's bit. Here's the thing about okay, Tom go. Brady. I'm what? gonna say it like this: Tom okay. Brady is not a physical specimen. No. Tom Brady plays quarterback Ooh. really great. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna call it what it is, and I hope the callers call in and cuss me out. But he is not in a physical dominating position either. He's not either. He's, he's not. Different, he's different monster. He, okay, I. He's not six six with you know two hundred and fifty pounds. Six like, Yeah, he's yeah. not. <laughs> he's not built of muscle. And, yeah. However, 
his ability to place a football True. and stand in the pocket True. with, you know, those freaks that you True. were talking about earlier yes, and navigate them, sometimes escape the pocket and throw true. it on the it's run. Very true. It's a fi- it's he has a physical ability that is unlike anything that Fair. anybody's ever seen. Cuz the other co- cuz if you put him in this is something I learned about sports, especially doing the f- uh, college football stuff, mm-hmm. is that if you put the first string and you put the third string next to each other mm-hmm. and you have them just do a little simple thing like drop backs, outs. Yeah. You can tell who's the first string and who's yeah. the third string because the mechanics are totally different. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's, it's this why certain guys get drafted early and some guys are like never drafted at all. Yeah. You look at him, you go, oh, shit, I see it. And if you watch Tom Brady, I have no doubt about it. If you watch Tom Brady do a drop back, mm-hmm. you know why he's the fucking goat. It's, it's he's, bizarre. He's perfect. He's yeah. he's. He's, what did Mike, Mike, Mike Tyson say? It's impeccable. It's impregnable. Yeah. That's who Tom Brady is in, as a quarterback, and mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. But the thing is. He's not. He couldn't. You wouldn't be that scared getting in a fight with him. That, and two, Maybe. is that. <laughs> here's some more. I'm just getting all the, the controversial takes out. Let's go. If this was Michael Vick we were talking about, yeah. who leaves the pocket and goes and runs. Yeah. If this is Donovan McNabb, who leaves the pocket and goes and runs. Mm-hmm. We'd have a different conversation. Yeah. So this is like saying, take all the championships that Tom Brady has and give them to a person that's out getting athletic, physically hit. Like, yeah. Well, it's not just athletic, it's, but yeah. it's getting like physically hit. Yeah. LeBron James is still physically getting hit. Yeah. He's done it for 20 years. Tom yeah. Brady's done what, 22 years? Right. LeBron James is only two years behind him, and he's still getting physically hit. He's getting pushed down. He's having to box out. He's getting pushed around. Not as much as he used to, mm-hmm. but it still happens. But at the same time, can mm-hmm. we say that it's on the same level of physicality? Because, I mean, Tom Brady's getting tackled by defensive ends, linebackers. Once every, like, three mm-hmm. possessions. Yeah, but still every single time he goes down, like, that could be another concussion. Like That's a subconcussive true. trauma. I just, I don't know. I have a hard time with it because you can't. Hit, and this is my defensive lineman coming out. Mm-hmm. You can't hit him and drive him to the ground. Yeah. You can, I mean, you can accidentally do it, but you're going to get penalized and probably fined. Yeah. Uh, probably get cut because it's Tom yeah. Brady. Yeah. Uh, there's so many things that physically make them different that yeah. it, 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 it's, not, it's not that big of a gap. Because yeah. now as you're pointing out things, I'll be real and say it's not as big of a gap as I'm making it out to Well, be, no, it is. But because it's still, if, like, let's look at just – sorry. Go ahead. No, uh-huh. you – no, no, but still. My, 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 my thing is I still say that LeBron James is doing it in such a way that he's still like the top five best player in the league. Well, he's yet, one of the best athletes in the world. That too. But he's like literally, yeah. he is literally, and I'm trying to make sure I say it honestly, he is literally dominating in a sport where some of the best players are half his age. Oh, yeah. He, Four, his, his career, 20. his career, his career, yeah. his career is older than probably every NBA draft prospect coming out next year. Mm-hmm. Or at least most of them. Not yeah. all of them, but most of them. He's been doing it for, what, 21, 22 years mm-hmm. now? So he's been playing football. He's been playing basketball yeah. longer than he's not been playing basketball. That's so Take that professionally. Professionally. Yeah. We ain't even talking about the high yeah. school and the prep shit. That's so crazy. He's to maintain a career yeah. in at that high a level for that long. Yeah. And like I get what you're saying. Like he is a different thing than yeah. Tom Brady. Like Tom Brady is a freak of like a beyond freak. Mm-hmm. But like if if the two of them were to square off in a ring like fighting each other, I'm gonna take Tom, I'm gonna take LeBron James well, every and, time. And He's could, just a different type of athlete. You could make it where if you put their accolades in yeah. the fight, like the accolades are in the ring fighting each yeah. other. They would have a good fight, but you know why LeBron James would get the knockout? And it was the very it was the second thing I said. Hmm. 
Tom Brady comes in, we don't even know who the fuck Tom Brady is when he got drafted. Mm-hmm. We all knew who LeBron James was Which when he bizarre. got drafted. Yeah. That's the difference. That he showed up. He was great before he showed up. So, like, I would love to do a spinoff conversation, like, comparing mm-hmm. the greats of different sports I'm and in. talking about why they're... Because, like, this is funny because I feel like I feel like I wish I was a better advocate for Tom Brady because mm-hmm. I feel like we can talk about, like... Because Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback to ever live. Agreed. There's no doubt. No argument there. Um, no argument. But, like, they are different. But, like, who is more freakish in their sport? You could make like, the argument that he's the greatest football player ever. And he's also one maybe, of the greatest Maybe, but, athletes. like, you wouldn't put him on defense. Well, but the, because, the like, problem, the greatest football player ever, you might, like, they could the play argument, both ways. And that's the argument that they talk about all the time. Is they say the reason why you can't compare basketball versus football, and I think mm-hmm. LeBron may have made this comparison or this argument himself, is that because basketball, it's – literally both sides you know whereas football that guy plays that position he's really good at that one thing and has to not do anything else Mm -hmm. he doesn't even have to know his the the defenders how they play yeah he doesn't even know coverages go play dn huh what's that you know he could do that and he could still be great whereas in basketball they have to know everything yeah they have to know how to be good on defense and i don't give a shit how bad people try to make out i'll use carmel anthony as a great example Mm -hmm. he's not good at defense I guarantee if he played defense against us, he'd beat our ass yeah. right now. Two on one. Right now. For sure. He would be blocking shots and you'd be like, oh, he's really six foot eight. You know, like yeah. that's that's what I'm trying to tell people. But in basketball, you have to be good at both sides. I almost feel like I feel like soccer mm-hmm. would probably be a better example. Of like- but even then, those guys aren't necessarily having to play defense. And offense. A lot of times, yeah. if you're a striker, you're just going to be a striker. Yeah. And then when the play's over on the other side, that's for your fullback and stuff to mm-hmm. handle. But I feel like soccer, hockey could be close, but they're all position based. Whereas yeah. I feel like basketball is slightly positionless. And it's yeah. not saying that centers versus point guards don't exist. They do. But I've seen a center go and dribble the ball and shoot a three. And I've seen mm-hmm. a point guard go dunk a ball yeah you know what i haven't seen i haven't seen a quarterback go and make the world's greatest tackle ever i know his ass happened yeah. I'm just but being, at the same time i'm just having fun yeah. like the great the, the greatest quarterbacks they can't like not the greatest but not all of them but like a lot of them like you look at uh um what's his name jackson uh lamar, for, jackson. Lamar, lamar jackson lamar jackson dude you watch him in his uh first couple seasons with baltimore and it was like it was unbelievable mm-hmm. it was like he was the best one of the best quarterbacks in the league and one of the best running backs he was like he was he, was, he there's a famous clip of him like spinning i love that like he, three guys or he something. did it in high school then yeah. he did it again in louisville and oh i think he did God. it in the nfl he's like the creepiest freak. thing ever it's just that, crazy it's that stupid thing to say well wait what happened wait until he gets to the next level zion williamson has the same thing they're like yeah. well when he gets to the next level he ain't gonna be able to do that yeah then he gets to college and he does it again yeah. and they're like well, when he gets to the next level, he's going to be able to do that. And then for two seasons, he yeah. did it again. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what he's been doing if he's not playing anymore. Lamar Jackson? Yeah. He's still playing. I think that uh, this is why NFL is different than most. And NBA is there, too. They figure you out. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They figure you out. They, yeah, have, they, they have camera. Listen, if you go watch an NFL production, mm-hmm. if you like behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. I like hard knocks a go, lot. Well, no, no, no. I'm talking about go watch it in person. Oh, shit. Go watch the amount of personnel mm-hmm. on every NFL team sideline, first and foremost. Then watch everybody that's there. And then think about it. There's like 20, 30 people 
you don't see. All of them are looking at, oh, this guy sweats really hard in the fourth quarter. This guy's breathing hard. This guy's stomach's out. Mm-hmm. Up, this guy's limping. They have so much going on that if they don't so figure crazy. you out in two games, yeah. it's because you're really good or the schedule just hasn't caught up to you yet. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter how good you are on defense at the defensive end. This guy's unblockable. They'll figure out a way to block you. Well, that's what's fun to watch about what what's going to happen with Aiden Hutchinson for the Lions. I haven't watched him yet. Is he really good? Bro, I he's heard a, his. He's freakish. I just heard his name yesterday on yeah. uh, on, on uh, Instagram. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit! I've been wondering about this guy. Yeah, dude, he's playing really well. Is he um, running? Is he running the three or is he running the defensive end? What do they got uh, him playing? Defensive end. Okay. But he comes. He 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 starts in a. He goes back and forth between um, outside linebacker. No. Yeah. He he kind of floats and sometimes he's down in three point stance. Ooh, so like. He's, that. Dude, he's such a monster. It's crazy. That's a big dude. Yeah. Is he? Is this a season? This is this is a rookie, rookie season? season. Yeah. And he's doing good. Yeah. See, Which I haven't cool. been watching. That's yeah. the one downside about doing comedy is I lose track of all sports stuff. Yeah. I only get to see the highlights and the big time stuff. But yeah. I gotta watch. So wait, he's with the Detroit Lions. Yep. Who are in? Uh, if they win against Green Bay, they Talk have a me. shot of making the playoffs. They've made the playoffs, I think, two times in their history. Okay. They've never won a playoff okay. game. They're the most due team in all of sports. Yeah. Like, They've they've never they've ever even been to the Super Bowl. It's Detroit and Cleveland. Detroit, right now. yeah, let's go. And um, they uh, they have a good squad. They were one and six. Now they are, I think they're eight and seven. That's so they good. were one and six. That's okay. It was a horrible get it season. Out your, get it out your system. Yeah. I always say get the losses out early. Yeah, so crazy. You can win. Yeah. Nobody cares as long as you win last. That's all that matters. Yeah, right. Nobody like, cares who the fuck wins first. It's well, been wild. Them. Hell yeah. We need to watch some sports, man. I don't. Yeah. I don't get a chance to watch sports, and I've been telling myself as a comedian, I gotta get back to doing regular things because yeah. I'm so focused on the grind. I like that though. I like that. That's what you're focused on. Man. I am. That's and good this, for you. This 37. I'm telling myself that when this 37 is over with, obviously I still have some other obligations after yeah. it's over with. I am going to try to take a good little break. Yep. And when I say take a break, my version of break is not like most people's. My break is I'm going to calm down and maybe do three shows in a week instead of doing four. <laughs> so what's your uh, what's your next show? Next show tonight we are going to be over at I don't know when this comes out but let's just well we'll it'll probably come out in the probably Friday. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So let me try to be honest then. All right, so today's Wednesday, so it's January fourth. This will mm-hmm. be show. This is technically show number two. Thank you. Show number three. We're gonna be at the Last Stand Brewing. Um, I don't know Good if it's spot. Last Stand Brewing Company yep. or what, but they have a comedy show ran there by Cheesecake Comedy. My homeboys mm-hmm. Andre Ricks and Martin Inn. Yep, yep. Uh, I'll be doing a show there, and that's show number three. And um. Yeah, I think there's a few other cool comics on there whose names escape me at the moment. That's fine. So I'm fine. not going to butcher them. But yeah, I'll be there tonight. And then tomorrow, let's see. Tomorrow's what, Thursday? Yep. I think Thursday might be a three-shower. I'm not sure. But either way, um, let's see. I got it in front of me right here. Yeah, let's go. Okay, I'm doing improv. Okay, so I got one. got my first improv show of the run. So Ooh. Thursday, I'm doing Friends for Now over at the Colt Town Theater. Uh, I'll be guest, uh, pretty much doing a guest spot with them. I might do a little bit of stand up, but more mm-hmm. than likely it'll just be some uh, improvising. But yeah, I'm there. And then Friday, I have two shows, which is Teachers Going Bad over at Cooper's Barbecue and then Sure Thing over at the Fallout Theater at 9 30. So Hell yes. I'm excited for both of those. I think, uh, let me see the Sure Thing. Uh, that might be my fifth time doing it. And this was one of like the first shows that I saw in Austin. I was like, I can't wait to do that show. Yeah. And so now here I am, you know, 10 years later now, and I've gotten a chance to do it quite a few times. So I'm always excited whenever I get a chance to go party with those guys. They run a great show. And then improv Saturday, and then I got an online show Sunday. 
that's how I finished my week off. Fun. And yeah. how can people find you online? So you can find me pretty much anywhere uh, that if you type in simply Courtney, S-Y-M-P-L-Y-C-L-U-R-T-N-E-Y, you'll find me. I'm Googleable. Googleable. I don't know how to do the adjective for that, but I think it's Googleable. But um, I, if you go on my Instagram, it's I am simply Courtney. Uh, that's I A M and then S Y M P L Y C L U R T N E Y. If you go on Twitter, it's just good old fashioned Simply Courtney. Uh, if you go on Facebook, you can look up Simply Courtney and then uh, check my website out, simplycourtney.com, or you can just look up Simply Courtney. Actually, not even Simply Courtney, look up Simply Haha, mm -hmm. and that's my little company. We didn't talk about that. Simply Haha. Simply Haha. You we'll spell do it the that same next way. Time. But no, nah, definitely. Um, Come grab a show. I want to put, can I plug these two yes, shows? Yes, do it. Throw them in the there. The two shows that I have to plug. These are the things that are the most near and dear to my heart. Um, I'm doing a lot of other people's shows, but I'm actually going to be doing some of my own shows. On the 20, I said the 21st, that is wrong. On the 25th, I have a show I'm producing. It's Mint Comedy over at Axis. This is uh, the first show. This is every Wednesday. Um, I have some really fun performers coming over. I have Gabe Davis. Uh, I have Angelo Vesio. I have uh, Aya Amira, and I always mess her name up. And I also have my homeboy Hunter Carney, who's going to be hosting the whole thing. We're doing our first one. We're going to do it weekly, but the first one, I want to pack that thing out. It's January 25th, 8 o'clock, over at Axis. If you're not sure where it's at, just go to the old craft, uh, no, the Thrive Craft House or whatever it is, mm -hmm. off of Guadalupe, across from Planet K. But we're doing comedy there, y'all. We're bringing it in. It's going to be fun. That show is my favorite show. This next show is my favorite show as well because you can always have multiple favorites. Yes, uh, sir. The 31st, we're doing the tallest comedy show in the world. Let me say it again. The tallest comedy show in the world. I think I wrote down tallest comedy show in the world. Whatever. We're smashing the record. Every person on there is 6'4 or above. Let's go. And I don't know how I came up with this, but I got enough funny people that are tall as fuck to agree to do the show. That's, That's so going to be January 31st at the tiniest bar in Texas at 8 o'clock. That's a Tuesday. Bring your ass, okay? It's either Tuesday or Wednesday. So the 25th or the 31st. I don't care about anything else. I want you to come to those two shows. I know that's wrong because I'm doing 37 fucking shows, but out of the 37 shows I'm doing, I want you guys to come to one of those two the most. If you want to come to any of the other ones, that's fine too. But if you don't come to the 25th or the 31st, you're dead to me. Uh, also, Fuck I, have, you. I have my roast or whatever, which is February 7th, but... Mm -hmm. That's fine. You know what I'm saying? That's me getting talked shit about That's by fine. my friends and comedy. But yeah, the 31st and the 25th. I want you to check out your calendar and January 25th or January 31st, bring your ass to a comedy show. That's it. That was the cool. Well, it was a pleasure having you on, Corey. This was fucking great, dude. Hell like, yeah, we'll do it again. I'm mad that you didn't play the drums during this. Like, is that your intro? Is your intro you playing the drums or something? My intro is always full of surprises. I'll let you see what it's like. Oh, this is going to be fucking fun. <laughs> All right. Until next time. Thanks, bud. Hey, thank you.
PTSD as far back as I can And I miss my job and I miss my wife Miss the light of my life, my little time I came back home and to my surprise He was married to a wife no smaller than a pig in disguise Basically what I'm saying, my beautiful grandson, your mom is fat. But there's no pig she can outrun, and she knows how to get it done. Your mom is fat like butter, sweet like sugar, a darling little honey, and she made my boy a man. To marry my son I can't believe you proposed To the boy with no pants He was too scared to lose you He was too scared to dance But you taught him how, honey And girl, I thank you I thank you, Betty, Betty Lou And there it goes <laughs> The story of how my boy Met his lovely, albeit obese wife She's so great, what a great lover she is. Sometimes I even look at her and I wonder, I wonder if she was supposed to be mine. And that's the end of the podcast. Go the fuck home. Go listen to Joe Rogan or something, man. Radio Lab, that shit, your mom's house. There's a lot of other podcasts. So go listen to one of them And I'll see you in probably like three weeks to a month Goodbye